Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Did he? Did he? Did he? He did! He did! Welcome into this Thursday morning edition of Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Trace Fowler, joined by the cast of characters that are usually in this room, thankfully. Largely because, well, what do we talk about on this show? The usual, right? Of course, you got the Reds, you got the waiver wire, and we also got FC Cincinnati. We'll get into that in plenty of detail, I'm sure, throughout this show. But also, also, football is back. Week zero is a joke. Week one's the real deal. This is week one, okay? If your team played on week zero, it probably means that they were relevant. They needed to find some TV time, and that's what they decided to do. They made up a week like Notre Dame does. Just saying. Week zero. Now we're into week one. We'll talk about college football at length. Again, welcome into Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Very thankful, United Dairy Farmers. This show comes your way every single day, Monday through Friday, from 10 to 12. And, uh, you know... You can watch the show, and by watch, I mean listen. And all the podcast platforms, you've heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times. Go download it. Give it a rating. Review it. It'll take you like three minutes of your day just to go and, you know, give a five-star rating. If you want to give a four-star, because that's probably what it's actually worth, especially with me on this show, you can do that too. Anything less than four, you're a hater. And you know what they say, at least on Hard Knocks. If you don't have haters, you ain't popping. So maybe we want some one stars too. Who knows? But please go help us out on those digital platforms. Well, season's not dead yet. It's not dead yet. Boy, we were close. This fan base had us six feet under. Who knew all it took was to bang out 11 hits, score four runs, and we're back. The Reds offense is back, and we're ready to play a big series against the Cubs. How big of a series is it? I don't know. It does feel like we're due, though, and by we're, I'm talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Obviously, there's another person in this room that's probably not a a big fan of the Red Legs this weekend, but that's here nor there. It feels like the Reds are due to finally win a big-time series. My God, when was the last time they won one? That's right. In my opinion, you you really – here's the funny part about this. I asked this question the other day. I asked you the same thing. When was the last time there was a series that was actually built up? This season, built up to be something. And the Reds actually won the series. I don't think it's actually happened at all this year. Largely because the last time you could even argue that they had a series that they won against the team they were playing against in a divisional race and or a wild card race, you have to go all the way back to July against the Diamondbacks. At that time, the wild card was a long forgotten thought. Back in July, they had aspirations of winning the division. They were a game out of first place in the division, and we want to sit here and act like that was the last time they won a big series? That wasn't a big series. Of course you could say they're all big. Of course, yeah, one of 162. They all count the same. I get that. But I'm talking about strictly from the, 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 the sheer standpoint of a series is being built up to being important. They've not won one all year. I I genuinely actually think I believe that now. You can go back to say, oh, well, what happened when they beat the Cubs? And they they obviously went and they they beat the, uh, the Red Sox in Fenway Park. Those are big series, yes. But they weren't built up by 
whether you want to say the media, the fan base, the league, they weren't built up at all. They were just series at that time. They were regular games. And of course, this team got built up during the, during the winning streak. I get that. But then they played the Braves, and they played the Braves great, right? I mean, that was one of the probably the highlights of the year of losing a series against the Braves, two games to one. You had the unbelievable game where they, they won, I think, 11 to 10 or whatever that score was. And then obviously the next two games were one-run games, and it felt like that was a great series, but they lost it. They lost the series. We all know what happened in Milwaukee. And we all know what happened after the All-Star break when Milwaukee came to town. Split with the Giants. Lose to the Giants. Again on the road. You backtrack. Siri's trying to talk to me. You backtrack to the, uh, the Diamondbacks. You lose that series. I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what, what are we doing? Steve figured out. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she's going to run the show. Here's the thing. My main point to all of this is, is the Reds are due to win a big series. They have to be. If they don't win this series, maybe they'll split. Maybe that's what we get. But if they don't win this series, then we can at least as Reds fans go to bed knowing that at least we gave ourselves a chance to make the postseason and maybe we actually don't deserve to be there. If you can't win one of these series, can you look yourself in the mirror and actually believe to yourself, you know what? I, I think we had it in us. We just, for whatever reason, we were unfortunate and didn't make the postseason. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. We're in a position now, fellas, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. If you can't take three or four from the Cubs, I'm not saying the season's over by any means. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the end of this year and feel like, you know what? Yes, the 12-game winning streak was unbelievable. Remember it for a very long time. However, if you can't win one series against all these guys, then you know what? We didn't deserve to get there in the first place. I agree. I well, the thing is, you look back to the like the three Brewers series that we've had. This is the biggest series of the year. This is the biggest series of the year, and the Reds just choked massively in every single one of those. Even like the Dodgers series, yeah, the Reds beat the Dodgers twice in two different series this year. But those series, like, they're just games you ha like the games you'd like to win. Like it, it was great that the Reds won. It was it, it it helps the Reds obviously down the road, but. It's, it, hasn't, it wasn't hyped up at all. It, it wasn't meaningful to the division. It wasn't meaningful for the, for the wild card at the time. So right now, this is the biggest series of the season. Again, you have, to, you have to win three. You have to win three. If you split, if you lose three or four, if you get swept, you can't seriously believe in this team. You can't. I, I think the Reds are a very good team. I think, there's a, I think there's a legitimate chance that they make the postseason. But if you're unable to beat a division team this year, in a meaningful series, one time, just once. I don't know how you can trust them. I agree with Trace. It's going to be a fun series, boys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's have some fun. Good thing both teams are playing their best baseball of the year. Of course, the, the Cubs, since the second half of the season started in the 14 series, they're 11-2-1, and one, and the Reds have been playing equally as good of ball. So it's going to be a great season. It should be a good one. The Reds always play well in these big series, as you guys have both alluded to. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to go to the first game. We're going to see a couple good, couple good games, guys. I, I'm excited. I don't know about you. I'm very uh, excited, but I, you know, you got to take care of business. And if the Reds don't take care of business and I have to come in here on Monday to a smiling Reed Mouse, I'm going to be upset. I smile every day. I'm going to be very, very upset. All right. Shout out Drew Garrison. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, he says Elliot Rearing has been confirmed greater than Keyshawn 
Johnson. I agree. On the X app. And, and you know what? Keyshawn made a mistake. You know what he did? He, he does he does what I, I'm capable of possibly doing for two hours every single day right now. You're, 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 you're a little overwhelmed. You got a lot going on. I don't know how that happens to Keyshawn because he's got one show, not a million things going on, I'd assume. I'd assume Keyshawn Johnson in his life probably has one thing that he has to be uh, in charge of. And he's, he's specifically just that show. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine a guy that watches football as much as he does says the outlandish take that he doesn't even think Joe Burrow's won a division title. I mean, with all due respect, Keyshawn, that's impressive, brother. I, I mean, shout out to you. You're going to get clicks. You're going to get all the attention today. Maybe that was what the plan was in the pre-dress meeting. It might have been. You know, these shows are getting so outlandish and so ridiculous that it wouldn't put it past me that they were going to be like, hey, Keyshawn, you're going to have to take a bullet for the team today. We need the clicks. We need the views. You're going to have to go out there and say that Joe Burrow, you don't believe in him, and he's never won a divisional title. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have the Cincinnati fan base just absolutely ravaging your tweet. You're going to get all the views, and it's all going to work out. Hence why this society maybe stinks. I don't know. We might all as humans just stink. Personally, I could not imagine saying something controversial towards the Cincinnati fan base just to get clicks. I couldn't imagine doing that. I just couldn't. Well, the funny thing is, is that we don't really require clicks. I mean, yeah, it's nice to know that people like our stuff, we view them, but it's not like we actually have a, a, some kind of ad revenue uh, generator off of VX.com, which I guess now you could. But you just did it, Reed, because you just like to do it. He just does it because – go ahead, Elliot. Hit him with it. Do, 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 do. Out from under the bridge. That's Reed, and he's a troll, and that's okay. He's a really good troll. You, you know, you look, around, you look around the internet – and you look for all these bad trolls that you see. They're just not very good. They hide behind burners. Reed comes in here with wrinkled shorts up to his crotch. And you look at him and you say... Bonk. Bonk. Well, it is. I mean, I'm looking at him right now. I, You're I, looking at my crotch? I see Bonk. Your, I, see your upper, Bonk. I see your upper thigh, brother. I mean, that's what we're looking at right now. And he's a troll. And he's a very good one. He's a professional troll. He does his job well. He accrues the clicks that he so desires. You're, ve you're, you're very good at it. Thank you. you it's your Thank best you. trait. It is my best trait. Your trip. best trait is that you come in here with clown shoes on and makeup and you're a troll clown. My favorite thing about all this is I really do believe in my heart of hearts the Reds are due. And, and you know what? I might, I might be absolutely sorely staken. I, 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 might, I might just be absolutely just furiated come Sunday. I think but I got a good feeling, Elliot. I got a good feeling. I got a good feeling that this is going to backfire right in my main man's face. Reed Mouse has been trolling this whole series for a little bit of time, talking about, oh, the Cubbies are playing good baseball. Look at the Reds. Look at this, that, and the other. Hey, we've said it all along. We talked about water finding its level. You guys wanted to make fun and laugh the other day about, yeah, they, they, they were only supposed to win 64 games. Maybe this is who they are. This isn't, this isn't who the Reds are. I like to think that this waiver wire, maybe, again, do I think it's going to make an effect on this series? No, but if they can get through this series again, let's be clear. If they split this series, I'm not on Elliott's train. I think that the season's not over if they split it. If they were to lose this series, it's just so demoralizing that I just, at that point, I'm not saying I'm going to check out. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit because I'm not a quitter. Um, but I will be devastated in the standpoint that I just think that I will have to look myself in the mirror and say this team doesn't belong in the playoffs, and that's okay. They got a lot of young guys. I know people don't want to hear that. I'm all for the here and now, which brings me to my next point, fellas. We've had this philosophical debate in this community, and by community, I mean Reds community, for quite some time, about what the Reds should do. How long has it been since they won? Should you hold on to prospects? Should you go for the winning now? Win now mentality versus being a loser's mentality and saving your prospects and try to win later. There's reasonable takes on both sides. I hate to say that. 
There's reasonable takes on both sides. You can't always hide behind the curtain that the front office is doing a great job, no matter what. And you can't always hide behind the curtain and say this ownership group's the absolute worst in franchise history and maybe in franchise history. Might be right. I don't know. don't know enough about the history of the owners of the Cincinnati Reds. But in sports history, like some people make it out to be, they're not the worst owners in sports history. So there's the truth that lies between the middle of those two enormous mountains. And I'm just here to say that this waiver wire is a beautiful bridge to that gap. The reason for that is because you have a situation where the Cincinnati Reds, without a shadow of doubt, need some help. They need to go get some guys. You can't tell me that Hunter Renfro and or Harrison Bader, either or, not saying you need both, but either or, would not be a welcomed addition to this Cincinnati Reds baseball team. You know it, I know it, and the front office knows it, and Bob and Phil both know it. The question is, will Bob and Phil decide that they want to take those guys' salaries for one month and it won't be any detrimental to the farm system. This is it. It's a PR nightmare, for being completely honest, for some of these front offices that want to speak out one side of their mouth and not be, not be about that action on the other side. If you're going to sit here and say, you got money to spend at the deadline, and you're going to sit here and tell me and the rest of the fan base that you're committed to winning, like you've said time and time and time again, this isn't a lot of money, people. Okay, we're talking 800 to a couple million dollars. This isn't a big time, big time. Now, in the grand scheme of things, of course, is $800,000, even to $2 million, a lot of money to anybody? Of course it is. Yes, it is. If Bob and or Phil, could, someone could just hand them $2 million right now, of course they're going to take it. They're like, yeah, hell yeah. If our bottom line is $2 million more than what it would have been before, yeah, we'd love to have that. But the truth is, is where does the greed stop? And who knows? They say they run it like a nonprofit. They say... And I'm saying that might be true. We don't know. They've never opened up their books. You could argue they should. If they're telling the truth, maybe they should open up their books. But you know what? They're not obligated to do that. They're not obligated to do that. And I'm not saying they should. I could care less, quite frankly. If you're going to run your franchise the way that, that, that we all would appreciate, I don't think anyone's ever going to ask you, hey, open your books. How much money are you making? We don't care about that. The only thing that real true Reds fan cares about, besides the ones, and I say true Reds fans, I'm, I'm talking about the ones that actually want to see the team win, because I'm convinced that there are some that just don't even want to see the team win. They just want to complain into the universe. They want to argue with everyone and tell everybody how bad of a job the front office is and how bad owners we have. And then they want, to, they want the Reds to actually lose, so then they can, they can selfishly put their hand up and say, look, I was right. Look how smart I am. Meanwhile, they still have their, no, no, no disrespect, they still have the same job they've always had, and they'll continue to have, have the same job they've always had, because deep down, they've never aspired to be anything more than what they are, which is just people pecking at a keyboard behind the internet, saying that other people suck at their job. Now, I know that's pretty low, I know you're saying I'm coming in hard in the paint, but that's the God's honest truth, and that's what I'm here to do, is spew the truth to you this morning. So, the last thing I'm going to say, Red's ownership, the ball's in your court, it's right there for you, and in fact, I'll make this. This is the biggest claim I've ever made maybe on the show, and I truly actually believe it. If Bob and Phil had a PR brain, this is the best PR move they could ever make. Bob and or Phil is one 10-minute speech, good 10-minute speech away with about four waiver wire claims from being right back at the top. You can say that, yeah, there's, there's still going to be people that hate them. I get it. But if they went out and got Giolito, Renfro, Bader, Clevenger, couple relievers. Is it crazy to spend that much money? Probably. Would you say that it's stupid? Maybe. But I'm just telling you, if they came out and said, we're committed to winning, 
We apologize for the comments we made in the past. And by God, we're here to try to win now if it means that we're not going to have to uh, basically forego the future. And that's what this opportunity presented. And we, we appreciate the Reds fans for supporting us earlier this year. We have money to spend and we're going to continue to spend it because we, we run this franchise with no intentions of making a bunch of money. We, hoped we, get, we hope we have your support. You do that and you go get four or five guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now that 90% of the fan base would be fired up and they'd go right back down to the ballpark if they haven't already. How, how would you guys feel if they pass over these guys? Like, as, as fans, because, you know, the, the trade deadline is what it is. All the points you just made, Trace. What is your reaction if a couple of these guys fall through the cracks to the Reds? I, don't, I think there's a couple that are going to be taken before the Reds get a chance, but... Most of the guys will, will come to the Reds, and the Reds just pass. They just say, we're good. What would be your gut reaction to all that? Well, yeah, and, and this is – I was having this conversation yesterday with a friend of mine. I would be out. I mean, I would be out because it's, it's, it's a clear unwillingness to win. And the, the mindset where it's like, well, this wasn't our year anyway. We're going to win next year. Got to have a better attitude. If you're one game out of a playoff spot and there's a chance to make your team significantly better, all you have to do is throw out $800,000, you do it. You do it. And if they're not going to do it, then I'm going to say you're out. And, and, and we're right back to square one where this team doesn't want to win. It just doesn't want to win. If the Castellinis, and I am a Castellini hater, I, I am very open about that. I don't think they have wanted to win. I think it's, it's a strict business for them, and that's fine. Sports are a business. That's that's the that's the main thing. But if you're if you're not going to try at all, when you have the the main opportunity to try, all you have to do is throw a million dollars in the pot, and you get Hunter Renfro, two million for Hunter Renfro, eight hundred K for a good reliever, a million for a good starter. If you're unwilling to do that to help a team that needs it, it's not like the Reds are like uh, uh, playing good baseball, and you know it's okay because we don't really need it. We believe in our guys. They're, it's depleted. The lineup's depleted right now. It's ravaged by injuries. You need these guys to help you make a playoff run. If, if, if the Castellinis are unwilling to put their, their name in the hat for these guys, then I'm saying it's an unserious franchise. They're not trying to win baseball games. And, it's been, it's, and again, it comes back to the point where I think Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, Andrew Rabbit, all these guys this season saved their ass because this was going to be a 60-win team before these guys showed up and now you have a chance at the playoffs. So if they're unwilling to be a playoff team, despite whether it's not whether or not it's our year, whether or not the window has begun, you do it. You'd spend the money. You get the guys in the in, in the clubhouse. So I don't have to watch T.J. Hopkins anymore. Please. Yeah, and I want to make up a point that you just brought up. I don't think that you, we should treat it as as the minor leaguers or the guys that come up that were rookies completely saved them. Now, they were responsible for getting said guys. They they employed Nick Crawl. Nick Crawl made good decisions to get, obviously, guys like CES and Spencer Steer in a trade, and then they flipped the one uh, pitcher that they got to Cleveland for Will Benson. Those moves made great sense. They obviously drafted Matt McClain. They drafted Andrew Abbott. Uh they have Ashcraft. They have they have Hunter Green. These are decisions that were made by the front office, and they panned out, and they worked out. Now, to sit here and say, though, that part of what Elliot's point is is completely false is, would also be inaccurate, right? Like I said before, the truth always lies in the middle. The reality is, is that Spencer Steer and CES in that trade for, with the Twins, they were never supposed to be these type of guys. I mean, you could say that the Reds seen it. Some of it. Some of it. I'm not saying all of it. Some of it is dumb luck, Okay. It just is. When you go into a draft, I'm not saying, and, and, and uh, 
you know, shout out the grapevine here really fast. I did go back. I <laughs> did the grapevine. I, I did go back and I did look at it. So I do apologize in saying that the whole MLB, MLB draft is a crapshoot. It's it's maybe crapshoot's a strong word. That's probably not what it it's is. Much stronger. But 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 my point is is that the first the first few rounds it you could you can reasonably expect to miss on guys in the MLB draft. This is not you know like the NFL draft where you have a top five pick. They even miss on those every now and again. My main point to all of this is, is that you have to give some credit to the Reds front office for having young guys in the system and having a good farm system and helping this team out and win. But on the, on the flip side of it, it's as simple as saying there's nothing lost here. That's the, that's, that's the PR nightmare that exists for the Cincinnati Reds. There's nothing lost here. You, you have no excuse as to say why you wouldn't pick up one of these guys we're talking about. None. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts they're going to do it. I really do believe they're going to do it. And, 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 and getting rid of Trey Mancini is the sign that I needed to say, you know what? I think they're going to pick up some of these guys because why would they cut Trey Mancini? He's doing a minor league contract. I don't know how much money that is. That's what, like not even $100,000? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I agree with Trace. I mean, I, I was pretty shocked by it. And it kind of was like under the radar. Nobody really saw it uh, for, a, for a while, a couple hours it took for like the fan base to realize what happened. Uh, if they cut Trey Mancini and don't sign anybody, I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> I, I mean, that would be, could you imagine that? What? I mean, could you imagine the disaster that would, would ensue? And by the way, just to clarify what I said earlier, the Castellinis got lucky. Nick Kroll has done a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. That's what I, the, the Castellinis have been saved by Nick Kroll and then the prospects and the young guys coming up. Nick Kroll in the front office have done a great, very good job. Have done a very, very good job. I was wrong about the way they were doing things. They've, they've, been, they've proven me wrong time and time again. But the Castellinis still objectively don't try. And, and my thing with the Castellinis is, and David Brown put it in the chat, they had the highest payroll in franchise history in 2020. That's great, but you can't pout if it doesn't go your way. And that's what the Castellinis do. They spend money on guys. I'm not saying they've never spent money on guys. They paid for Mike Moustakis. They paid for Nick Castellanos. They pay and get these guys. And then what happens if it doesn't work, they pout and they go into tank mode. It's happened three times in five years. They've rebuilt three times in five years. They, object, they quit when it doesn't go their way. That was my point. So if, if the Castellinis are going to go out there and they're going to spend money right now, they can prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, please. Please. I'm not asking you to sign Shohei Otani. I don't want him. I don't want Aaron Judge for $600 trillion. I just want guys who can, who can play baseball at a high level. So I don't have to watch. I, 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 again, I, I, hate to, I, hate to, I hate to punch down. But Stuart Fairchild, TJ Hopkins, some of these guys just aren't very good. Henry Ramos, what are we doing? Hank. You, can't, you can't make the postseason with these guys. So if, the, if there are options available to you, which there are now, objectively, very good options. Reed doesn't like when I say objectively. If, you, if, if that's options available to you, go out and get it. And if you don't want them, it's just you don't want to win. So that's, that's, the, only, that's the only thing I have. What, what, was, what, was the Trey Mancini, what was the point of the Trey Mancini thing? You, you signed him to a minor league contract. He wasn't on the 40-man, right? Yeah. He comes, plays five games, hits two home runs, bats 350 or whatever over the – over the five games that he plays in AAA, and then just see ya. <laughs> because they figured out they're going to have Harrison Bader and or, or Hunter Renfro playing in their outfield. But, like, like he wasn't on the 40-man, so, like, it, it doesn't change anything. Like, cutting him doesn't change anything, right? 
You're saying you're you're asking the question as to why why they even why cut him sign in the him in the first place, place if he well, does well and then you just like five I think days because later, they had like, oh, every whatever. aspiration that he was going to play on the big league team and that's why they weren't they were they didn't they didn't get Trey Mancini thinking that they were just going to okay. kind of keep him around in the system Correct. and they were going to be like okay right. he could be a part of the future this guy's gonna this guy's gonna play four or five games in Louisville and then he's going to come up to the big league club that's my guess again if they if they don't get anybody then I then I then I then my I, I don't know I throw I literally if they don't have anybody at the at the waiver wire. To, to replace what Trey Mancini could have done for this team, I'll throw my hands up in the air and say, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. It's a, it, would, it would be a really, really tough spot for Nick Crawl and the front office to have to explain to anybody that has a reasonable brain as to why you would cut a guy like that and then turn around and not pick anyone up on the waiver wire, especially when you have the situations you have right in front of you. Maybe they believe that Jake Fraley is going to be back in full health and, and, his, and his toe injury isn't going to re, rehash, although that seems like a wild take. Guy's playing on a broken toe, and you're just going to yeah. assume that he's good for the rest of the year? I think that's probably not it, but maybe maybe that's what it is. I have no idea, Reed. It's hard to say. That's the one thing that's crazy when you do sports talk in general and or you talk about sports is that – you're always not privy to the same information that the people that are actually making the decisions that are privy of. So it's tough to really be super overly critical about anybody making decisions. That's why I've always, I've always steadfast on the, on the fact that at the trade deadline, it's hard for you to go out and be mad about anything. It just is. Like, if you want to sit there and scream into the void and type on the X.com app that you have the worst front office and the worst ownership in the history of sports, when you don't even know what the trades existed of, you don't even know if Verlander said he would be willing to go to the Reds. They might have made that phone call and been willing to give up the entire farm, everything that you think that they're trying to hold on to. They might have said, you can have them all. We're going to give all 200, the, 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 the next best 20 prospects we have in our organization, we're going to trade them all for Verlander. And, and they were like, that's a great trade. We're doing it. And they go to Verland and they're like, hey, you're going to Cincinnati. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, you, you're out here screaming on the internet telling you, telling you that you think that your front office, and, and they're, not, they're not even trying. You got no clue. At least just admit that. I can admit it. I got no clue what's going on down there. But I do have a clue about this. The only thing that's going to stop us from getting someone off the waiver wire or not is the checkbook of the ownership group. It's as simple as that, and that's a PR nightmare. Has there ever been a situation where, a, where an ownership group, and I'm not talking about just the Castellinis, but all of them, have been put in a position where everybody in the fan base and everyone that pays attention to this knows full well what the stakes are and what it costs to actually get somebody? Because usually, as I said before, in, in behind the closed doors, in winter meetings, at the trade deadline, you don't always know what the full details are. Now you know who the waiver wire is, what it consists of, who's on it, how much they cost, and lastly, whether or not they decided to pick them up or not. Listen, man, I, I, it's, it's, it's a tough spot. And I, I could not imagine, I really could not imagine how this city is going to react if, if nothing happens. Does it, has it happened today? Is that the date? I think today is the date. Today's uh, the day. Today's the day. It's by, there's a deadline, right? There's a it, deadline tonight. I mean, at the end of, at the end of it, too, uh, these guys, and again, I, I, I say it's today. I'm about 99% sure that, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not into the weeds of the rule books of, of Major League Baseball. I do know that in order, to, in order for them to be postseason eligible, uh, they're going to have to be on the 40-man, I believe, by Friday. 
So tomorrow. August, so August 31st is what I'm seeing. Yeah. Is, is, is the day. So it's, That's today. That's yeah, today. Yeah. It's, listen, I, who do we, who do we think is going to fall? Because I think the general consensus is that Reynaldo Lopez is going to be picked up just because he's a good arm and he's the, he's the cheapest out of the good arms. Like, do we think Harrison Bader is going to fall? Do we think Hunter Renfro is going to fly? Because the Marlins are ahead of them. The Padres are ahead of them. Any other? I, I don't think the Padres are contenders anymore. Just the Padres and the Marlins, man. So, That's it. Padres have to look themselves in the face and realize they're done. It's done, right. It's done. Come on. It's done. They, they, it's just it, the Marlins. And they're, what, one game below 500 at this point? They're real and they're two of their last eight. The Marlins? Let me talk to the Marlins real fast. Just give up, brother. Just give up. You don't need them. Don't waste your money. Seriously, you're two and you're two out of the last ten. You're two and eight. You're reeling. You're losing it. Season's over. You got to jump way too many people. I mean, think about what the Marlins have to do. They got to jump the Reds. They got to jump the Giants. A lot of teams. They got to jump the Diamondbacks, and then they'd have to jump the Cubs. After this jump. weekend. I don't know. Okay, I was gonna say I don't think they got to jump all those teams. They got to jump three of the four. The Phillies are going to be a playoff team. Yep. I think the Cubs have an 81% chance of making the playoffs at this point. But that happened, that's gone after they get swept this weekend, right? Correct. After they lose four in a row. You're right. That's right. So who are we looking at, guys? Who do we want? We, you, you say Harrison Bader. Yep. I want Hunter Renfro. I want you Hunter want, Renfro and Harrison Bader. You don't want any of the arms? You don't want Mike would, Clevenger? I mean, if, Luke, if, if Giolito is if he's, a, if, if he's available, I would like Lucas Giolito too so we don't have to do bullpen games uh, for a depleted bullpen. So th those are the three I want. Those are the three names. I want Bader, I want Renfro, and I want Giolito. No Mike Clevenger? Clevenger would be good, too. Reynaldo Clevenger, Lopez? Clevenger would be I don't think. I don't think Lopez comes here, and I don't think Lopez— uh, I don't think he falls. I don't think he falls. Okay. I agree. I, I agree with you I guys. think Giolito falls. I think Renfro falls for sure. I think Renfro falls for sure, largely because Renfro's a it's guy that's million, owned right? $2 million. Bader, I'm not sure, because Bader's elite defensively, and, and Bader's had obviously a good season against left-handed pitching. So he's a guy that only cost $800,000. I could see Hader getting picked up before the Reds just because somebody's like, I mean, cheaper. It's, yeah, they're just like, hey, let's give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, if you want to talk about PR, I mean, the Marlins could just be like, hey, for $800,000, we can make it seem like we're trying. Let's just get Bader and keep it moving. I don't know. But this is where you got to rely on guys like Nick Kroll. Like, this is what I'd be doing if I was the front office. I'd be calling up the Marlins general manager right now and, and, and asking him what we could do to help. I mean, do you need me to give you somebody in the offseason? What is it? You need to, to lay off these guys. If you, I, I know Maybe it's illegal. I don't give a damn if it's illegal or not. You call them up. <laughs> you call them up. You go down to Miami, you fly down there right now. Nick Carl should be in Miami hanging out with the general manager and be like, listen, man, I know you got a chance to sign Harrison Bader for $800,000 and you should do that. Maybe you should do that, but we need him. And you guys, come on, let's look at each other in the face right now. We'll play rock, paper, scissors. If I win, then basically you, you're not allowed to get him. And if you lose, you don't get him either. So <laughs> let's just do that real fast and we'll keep it moving. But they already tried. The Marlins, at least their ownership group, they tried at the deadline. They failed. They did. Yeah, the, they, the Marlins they, tried at the deadline. They, got they failed. Jake Berger. You don't get to try again. David okay? Robertson, too. David Robertson. You don't get to try again. Let's hope, let's hope that uh, Nick Kroll can convince the Marlins that they don't need Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader fits fits the the Cub or the Reds kind of play style, too, right? I mean, other than, no offense, but he plays great defense, and I know that's not the MO of the Reds, but he, <laughs> he st steals a lot of bases, yeah, right? He's, he's, he's very fast. He's fast, he, yes. he's fast, so he fits right into what the Reds like to do. Yeah, that'd be a great pickup. Does Nick Kroll have, have some charisma? Because isn't uh, the Marlins GM's the, um, 
the woman, right? She's the she's the yeah. Yes. I forget her name. Nick Crawl, go down there, put on the charm, put on a tux, and go see if you see if you can woo. See if you can woo Marlon's GM. Although I forget her name at this very moment. I think Nick Crawl's got a charismatic bone in his body. Let's see what he's got. I'll tell you what, he needs a new haircut. <laughs> Outside of that, I think Nick Crawl's great. He's done a great job. He saved. I mean, right now he saved. He's saving the Reds franchise. So good job, Nick Crawl. Very good job for him. Crawl aid. Crawl aid. Get crawled. Get crawled. This would be this would be the biggest, the most confusing move that the the Reds, if they don't get somebody, since um when they when they dropped all of when when they sold last time, right right before last season, and they traded all the guys, Jesse Wayne Curry and Suarez, all these guys, they traded them away, and then. <laughs> they they just release Wade Miley for like eight million dollars and then go sign Mike Miner for nine million dollars. That move didn't make any gosh darn that sense. That was the worst move in the history of the franchise. I'm not gonna lie. That was a bad one. <laughs> that was the Mike Miner was, one was a bad one. That was so confusing. And this this would be on the same pedestal if they just let this walk by. If they let this opportunity listen, mana doesn't fall from the sky every day. It doesn't. You gotta capitalize. You got to. That's simple as that. Simple as that. Will the Cubs be buyers again? Will they? Will they? Will they try to claim somebody if they? If it I don't know where the Cubs. Um, the Cubs could use a starting pitcher. There's no doubt about that. With Marcus Stroman done, um, with uh, Jameson Talion's not pitching well, and the fact that you know Drew Smiley is is a turd burglar right now, um, they could use another arm. They can use another arm, relying on Jordan Wicks on his second career start this Friday and Javier Assad, who's pitched very well, but relying on those guys with very inexperienced uh, starting rotation, starting roles. Yeah, they could definitely use an arm. Uh, Sean Connor in the chat brings up Harrison Bader's numbers, and he and he mentions obviously that he's he's uh, his on base percentage this season is horrendous, two seventy eight clip. Look, like I'm talking about Bader's splits. Um, Bader's obviously done really well against left handed pitching. And my main point about the the Bader versus other guys is I do I do actually believe this. I think if there's ever a chance to get a guy that's playing for a major market team that hasn't started his career at said major market team, then I. I like trying to go and get those guys and seeing if maybe they relax a little bit, play a little bit higher end. I'm not saying they're all going to turn out like Sonny Gray, but I'd like to think they, that, that more would turn out like Sonny Gray than usual just because, and let's face it, playing in New York City for the Yankees is a hell of a lot different than playing for the Cincinnati Reds. It just is. The pressure, the, 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 the expectations, whatever term you want to use, are much different. And some guys could relax and play better. They can't. So bring him back to the Midwest, man. He likes the Midwest. Let's bring him back. Look at these splits from, from Harrison Bader. In 221 at-bats against right-handed pitching, he has seven extra base hits. He's batting 208 and has seven extra base hits in 221 at-bats. In 67 at-bats against a left-hander, he has 13 extra base hits, four home runs, seven doubles, two triples. He's batting 350, slugging 700 against left-handed pitching. That's... That's a guy you want. That's that's a platoon guy. That's right up the Reds' alley. Harrison Bader, you are better than Nick Senzel and TJ Hopkins. Exactly. And, and, Henry and, 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 and Stuart Fairchild. And, and Stuart Fairchild. And like, Stuart Fairchild. That, that's that's the truth. He's the best option that we would have without without a question. If Jake Fraley truly is healthy, okay, I want I want to know what that baseball player looks like in right field. I don't think Jake Fraley is coming back this season. And if he is, he'll probably come up for a couple days, re-aggravate the injury, and he'll be done. 
Jonathan India, do we think Jonathan India comes back? I don't know, man. It feels I, like Jonathan India has been out for what seems like three months. Yeah, I know it's I, not I, been that long, but for, for this to be this long of an injury, I'm starting to question whether or not he's going to be back or not. It seems like he's mentally checked out. So I, I think you have to. Right now, you absolutely have to. The rosters are going to expand in September. So I, I don't know who the Reds would call up then. Uh, I mean, I, God willing, it's not TJ Hopkins or Henry Ramos again after Henry Ramos clears waiver for the 10th time this season. Uh, but we'll see. August 31st, that's today. We need to make a deal. Sign no, I think someone. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, in other news, Joe Burrow, uh, they have video of him. He's actually uh, still alive. And he believe practiced. it or not, believe it or not, I think he went to practice. Hey, T. Higgins said How you there was feeling? a different How juice. How you feeling? T. Higgins said there was a different juice at practice yesterday. Listen, Joe Burrow, there's no one that has more responsibilities in this world. Not Joe Biden. Not not literally any political leader in the world has more responsibilities than Joe Burrow. So I he's back. The city's back. We play next Sunday. Can't wait. Can't wait. We'll see. We'll see. Everett in the chat asked, what about the Packers wanting to trade for JT? Um, hey, I, 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 no comment. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know if it's true. I think it could be false. That might not be true. So don't believe everything you read on the internet. It's, it's a bad, that's a bad start. That's what they tell you in high school. Don't, don't, don't read Wikipedia. Even though like 99.9% .9 of the time Wikipedia is 100% accurate. <laughs> don't do that. That's a bad place to start. <laughs> What are all the things? I'd love to know in the chat. I don't know. Maybe we could do this every so often. In the chat, I want you to know that, uh, that I'm going to rely on you here for a second. I want you to put in the chat the biggest lie you've been told by, by, by the school system when you're growing up. Like, you know, they, they, my thing was like they, they would act like when you go to college, you're not going to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like this scare tactic they use when you're in high school. Like, you, 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 you're you not going to be able to be a minute late when you get to college. Oh, like, okay, well, shit. I don't know. I walked in like 10 minutes late <laughs> multiple times. It was perfectly fine. Yeah, I didn't show up to classes. <laughs> <laughs> but what was one thing that you feel like that you thought for sure that your parents either told you or, or some kind of superior told you that you were just like, as a kid, you thought that was it. You were like, this is it. You sit too close to the TV, your eyes are going to cross. It's like, okay, my grandparents told me that. I better not do it. And then you get older and you realize it was all just a it was all just a scheme to be able to try to get you to behave just a little bit better for a short amount of time. Two that I've got, one from parents, one from school. The one from parents is the lie that if you turn on if you turn on the lights in the car, that was illegal. And like if you if you're on a road trip and you turn on you're in the back of the minivan and you you, you press the light, you turn on the light that a cop's gonna just immediately pull you over right then and there. That was a lie. Why'd they tell us that one? And then the second one is you remember they used to hold the the permanent record over your head. They'd be like, ah, oh, this is going to go on your permanent yeah, record as that. if there was just some file of every kid at every, uh, in the city just like, oh, here's Elliot Rearing's permanent record. On, on March 22nd in third grade, Elliot Rearing yelled at another kid like, no, that didn't exist. They didn't, they didn't care at all. They just were scaring us. They were just scaring us. Mine one is uh, a couple things. Number one, that grades matter. Grades don't matter. All you have to do is really get through it, and that's all that matters. Like, nobody's checking grades. If you Trace, do you check my grades before you hired me? <laughs> 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 so no, that one didn't matter. The other one, I think it was something with an essay. The essays had to be formulated in some way, like Times New Roman, 12 font. This is what every college wants. It's just not true. It's not true. Uh, I, I did whatever I want with my essays, and I got a better grade probably than I would have in high school. So, 
Shout out high school. Shout out everything. Uh, but yeah, everything's a lie. Everything is a lie. Everything is That's a lie. That's what it comes down to. Casey? I got nothing. Oh, Casey. everything Casey learned is true. <laughs> That's the education you get out there in Blanchester. <laughs> you don't get the fluff, baby. You get the straight truth. Uh, one thing that I do find funny, we do have a, uh, a super chat here. Thank you to Swaggy Plague. Shytown is whipped and or broke up, but we still love y'all. I don't know. Shytown may be selling. He could be out there selling. Shytown asked someone to put in a super chat. He said, he said, I can't put in a super chat. My wife might leave me, but I want everyone to know that I love them. So we love you too, Shytown. All right. Chi-Town. I love Shytown. Lots Chi-Town, of love. Shout out to you. Hopefully that situation you got gets better. I don't know if we can help. We're probably not the place to turn to for that. Um, the last one I want to bring up here is, uh, Drew said, Drew said that, uh, they told you you weren't going to better use a calculator <laughs> for math in your life. It's yeah. like, that is true. They, they're like, well, what's, what's nine plus or what, what's nine times 25. And you're like, uh, like, you're not going to be able to use a calculator. Like, I don't know, man. I just pull up my calculator. <laughs> like, it's true. This is true. Um, all right. Bengals. I don't know where we're at with them, how you feel about them, but obviously now that Joe Burrow is 100% back, 100% back, uh, David Brown in the chat even asks, uh, I don't want to start speculating and bring up this rumor, but it is a fair question. I think Joe Burrow is absolutely a crazy lunatic if he starts the season without a contract. It's starting to appear that that might be the case. Um, David Brown asks, now that the injury's over, does the holdout start? Uh, the I don't know. Listen, I I think one thing has been abundantly clear about this whole contract negotiation is that both sides have decided to keep it closely under wraps so that it doesn't become a media circus. I mean, the only thing that we talk about is, is it going to get done? Is it going to get done? We're not hearing anything. We're not hearing numbers from either side. We're not hearing how negotiations went. We just know that they are negotiating and that it isn't a big, like, it, it hasn't, circumference the entire team this hasn't been the only thing that we talk about with this team going forward and that's great I mean how many times have we have we heard this in the NFL or really any sport that you know they're 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 holding out they're going into OTAs and they're holding out because they can't agree on a contract or they can't agree on a role or anything like that that's not that's not the case it's they're they're clearly working together they they clearly want to get something done and they're, they're keeping it so it doesn't become a bigger media circus which is great and we, we, we often, I think, overvalue Joe Burrow's morality in this team, in this city. We go like, oh, Joe Burrow's going to take a, a pay cut. Joe Burrow wants to keep this team together, yada, yada, yada. I think we overvalue that. I think that's a little bit silly. I think that I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot there. But it, it is clear at, at this moment that they are taking the, the well-being over the team, over the contract negotiations at this very moment. So that's good. I don't think... Every day that passes, every day that passes without a contract extension, I think it, I just think it doesn't look great. I don't think it looks great. Uh, me wanting Joe Burrow to be here it doesn't look great from the front office standpoint. That if you keep waiting and waiting and waiting, I mean, it, it, does Joe Burrow, you know, it, could, are we going to lose money elsewhere, right? So I, I, for for me personally, I think just get the deal done. Just sign it so nobody has to worry about it any longer. Just get it done. You're done for the next five years. Great, let's do it. But I think if, if and like Reed said, if you're thinking Joe Burrow is like, well, we got to keep this team together. We're going to go win Super Bowls as a team, and we're all going to be a team unity, and everyone loves each other, and let's all have fun together and grow together. It's not, it's not how sports work. It's not how business works. It's not how anything works. It's not how life works. <laughs> so that's out of the question. He's going to get $300 million uh, and be damned with the rest of the contracts that need to be signed. Joe Burrow is the number one, re- number one priority right now. 
Yeah, I think it, it begs the question everybody asks. It seems like it's always this priority-driven agenda. Uh, who, who, who signs first? Whose extension is most important? Uh, obviously, Joe Burrow's extension is the most important. It has to be. But it's this notion around the city and this idea that T. Higgins has to come first, largely because T. Higgins' deal is, is the first one to come up. But I guess I'm at a point now where I ask the question as to why why those two things have to be like this prerequisite. It shouldn't be a prerequisite. I get you could sit here and say that, well, if you get T's done, it makes maybe Joe's contract, the way you could structure it a little more clear, this, that, and the other. But it, it feels like you're teetering on the standpoint of all of these guys being friends and it sounds good in principle going into, into the thing in theory. And then it's hopefully is if something, I guess if something were to happen to any of these guys, right? And then something doesn't get done because you're waiting on somebody else. I don't care who you are, unless you're, unless you are legitimately like Jesus or something, you're going to be pretty pissed off. I mean, if you get your contract held out because somebody else is waiting and that's just a part of the friendship agreement here and something happens and you get hurt and you don't get paid the way you would have gotten paid before. Well, there's going to be some animosity there without question. And there rightfully should be. I don't think Again, that it's, it's unreasonable to ask the question, how much is enough money? Of course you want to make as much money in this world as you possibly can. But I also think there needs to be at least a little bit of, of, of hindsight of saying, if you are Joe Burrow, and I'm, again, it's easy for me to sit here and say, hey, you should take less money, take less money, take less money. But I think, quite honestly, I'm a little bit of a living example of a guy that has made less money in his life because I've chosen to want to be a part of something that I think is enjoyable, that is better for my health, that I aspire to be. And I think winning football games and being around, whether you want to call it friends or whether you want to call it around people you like, that you want to go win something with, is enjoyable. It is better for your life. You could trade, obviously, I would, I would argue that Dan Marino, of all guys, would trade how many millions of dollars, and maybe it's not enough million, but how many millions of dollars would he trade to have a Super Bowl championship. Charles Barkley, how many millions of dollars <clears throat> would he give away to win an NBA championship? And maybe that's not a lot. Maybe it's like, yeah, I'd give you a million, but outside of that, I'm doing pretty good. Maybe it's not enough. But I think it's reasonable to ask, how much is enough? We've gotten to the point now where in NFL contracts, this isn't, this isn't small money anymore. You know, it wasn't that long ago where guys were doing second jobs when they were professional athletes. We're not talking people that are still alive had to do that. So mm -hmm. we're at a point now where if you're a professional athlete, and again, maybe you could say, Trace, that's a little bit of a, of, of a, a loser's mentality because the owners don't care. You're probably right. <clears throat> the rich owners. But you know what? Like, who's actually winning in life? Is it the super, super wealthy owners that probably, quite frankly, and I could be wrong on this, but I would venture to bet that the vast majority of owners have, have issues in their life because they're, they're addicted to, to finances. They're addicted to money. And that rules their life. And maybe Joe Burrow is, is, is old enough and wise enough now to realize that, you know what, I do want to make these other guys priority. I do, I do want to be around these guys. And if it means that I have to make 20, 20 less million dollars, whatever that number ends up being, then so be it. He might want to do that. More times than not, as we know, 
it takes something special to have a group of people work together and all sacrifice for over extended periods of time before somebody gets frustrated and somebody just says the hell with it i'm done i want my money and we're moving on and then the plan's completely foiled because not everybody's still in it i don't know if it's reasonable to suspect that all of these guys are in the same group and they're all negotiating together because one guy needs to get his deal done and the next guy needs to get his deal done and it all is this big puzzle that they're trying to put together that seems unrealistic but what seems more unrealistic to me and what seems even more crazier to me is that Joe Burrow could go into a contract year or not a contract year, but go into a year without a contract when he's worth as much as he's worth. The stock on Joe Burrow outside of going and winning the Super Bowl this year, which I could make the argument as crazy as this sounds, I could make the argument. Now, it's not one that many would believe in, but I could say I'd believe in it. That if Joe Burrow were to go win a Super Bowl this year and you didn't pay him, his stock in a way almost goes down. Yeah, yeah that's a dumb argument. You could say it's a dumb <laughs> argument, but my point is, is that he actually brought you what you ultimately want to pay him for to do. Now, you could say that, oh, we want him to win more, this, that, and the other. But in general terms, my main point is, is that you want to pay this guy as much money as possible because you think he has a chance to bring you a Super Bowl. He's got you as close as you can get. He legitimately has got you as close as you could ever get to winning a Super Bowl without winning it. Your stock, in my opinion, will never get higher. Joe Burrow's stock can never get higher than it is right now with the Cincinnati Bengals. And you can say that it can if he wins a Super Bowl or this, that, and the other. But what is it? This much? It isn't that much more. Maybe you could argue that if he waits another year, the finances of the NFL, it increases dramatically. And the pay bans increase crazy amounts. Joe Burrow doesn't want to set the bar. He doesn't have to worry about setting the bar. Herbert set the bar for him. So again, I know I'm sitting here on the outside looking in saying I'm maybe naive and I don't know all the details. But Joe Burrow is in a position now where he's had injuries in the past. He's had an injury this preseason. In fact, he's not had a year, as we all have heard a thousand times on this show, he's not had a, even one season where he's actually had a preseason that's been normal. Two times because of his own personal health. One time, obviously, because of COVID. But besides it, I'm telling you that if I was Joe Burrow in his camp, holding out, holding out like one week in the NFL season, which is not going to happen. I don't believe it for a second of happening. Would, would immediately make that deal get done. It would get done like that. Because this ownership group doesn't want to mess with it. And I understand that Joe Burrow might be nice of a guff guy. And you know what? I'll say this. If Joe Burrow is a nice enough of a guy and cares this much about the franchise that he's going to wait one or two or three weeks into this NFL season to get a deal done and or something crazy happens and they go all year without getting a deal done just because he wants to wait for other guys to make sure they can figure out what they're going to do is the most unbelievable thing that I've ever heard in sports. Because you want to talk about risk. Joe Burrow is risking a absolute bajillion dollars if he goes into this season and plays one snap without a new contract. You saying I'm overselling this? Because I don't I, think listen, that I am. You, you're absolutely right. It, it seems silly for Joe to to not go into this season to get a deal done. But there's to to, to elude that if he wins a Super Bowl, the the stock's going to go down. 
or the deal's gonna gonna take a hit because he won a Super Bowl. He's well, a stock can only go up so high until the Bengals have to make a decision of whether or not you really truly want to sign a guy for that much money. I think you can make the argument. I know you could say Joe Burrow's worth whatever x amount of x amount of money, but to what point? I guess like if if you legitimately can't have anybody else surrounding him because his stock is worth so much money, if he were to go into free agent, unrestricted free agent, and there's some bozo organization that wants to pay him. Look, I mean, I'll make up a number that probably is never going to happen, but a billion dollars. We'll give you a billion dollar deal. Our salary cap's going to be like this. We're going to have nobody else to sign, but we want Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow wants to sign for a billion dollars. At what point is he not worth it? Listen, this, the, the, the thing that can help Joe Burrow's worth more than anything can help his contract isn't winning a Super Bowl, isn't winning an MVP, isn't breaking the record, the, the franchise record that he's broken now for the previous two seasons. The thing that will help Joe Burrow's contract the most is if he goes a year without getting hurt. Because that's the biggest that's the biggest question mark on Joe Burrow. We know he can play. We know he can win. We know that he can get us to the mountaintop and over the mountaintop. It's just, is he going to be healthy or not? How much is he worth once he gets you to the mountaintop? That's my question. If he gets you to the mountaintop, how much is he worth after that? You can More. say he's going to take you back and back and back and back, but that's and this sounds crazy. Yeah, it's a bad this argument. sounds crazy. This is this, this turns into a power move. I get it, but I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, man. I, I laugh because I genuinely watch. And I know people want to make fun of me in the chat. Aaron Rodgers, I watch the best quarterback in the history of the game. I truly believe it. Patrick Mahomes get paid a ton of money. Get paid a ton of money, and the team got worse. They did. They got worse. And you want to see here and act like paying the quarterback a bajillion dollars can't possibly hurt you. It can. It well, can. It, it, everyone knows it hurt. It, it, it handcuffs. Yeah, everyone knows it handcuffs your roster. But what the hell are you supposed to do, Trace? You're supposed to not pay him? You're supposed to go like, all right, see you later. All right, you, you, you got us the championship. We'll, 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 you can go out the door. We'll, we'll try again with, with some new draft pick. No. What are we talking about here? You, you, you sign him to a big deal because that's what you have to do. I you understand. Have no, you have of another course option. you have to sign Joe Burrow. My main point is to sit here and think that's blasphemous, that a stock possibly couldn't go down a little bit in the eyes of an ownership group, especially the ones of Mike Brown. Trace, if you think If that they get you to the Super Bowl and you win it all and you're about, you're about again, I, and maybe I won't go down this path, but my point is that you're at the end of your career as an owner and the guy gets you the, 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 the thing that you've been wanting your whole entire life, and you got it, and now you have it, you turn around and you're like, you might ask the question, maybe, is this guy actually worth as much money as we want him to win? He's already got me what I ultimately wanted. Do I want it again? Sure I do. But you don't think that somebody's, uh, what would be, ignorant enough to think that they couldn't do it without some person if they're asking for way too much money? You don't think that happens in business sometimes? Sure. You don't think somebody, some business owners are like, you know what, Apple, we don't need you, Steve Jobs. You built this company. We don't need you no more. You're asking for too much. Get out of here. And then maybe you realize later you do need Steve Jobs, but my main point is at the end of it is that at some point, I think from Joe Burrow's perspective, his stock literally can't get any higher. I mean that wholeheartedly. His stock can't get higher. Yes, you, you want to say that he can go through a whole season and play in the NFL without getting hurt. I don't think one franchise in the history of franchises right now, all 30 teams or how many ever there are, don't e they, they, won't even, they won't even blink an eye at the fact of Joe Burrow's injury history. Listen, if... It, it, it gets just, hurt again, though? I, 
and he's in trouble. I can't, I can't, I can't argue, argue against this point, Trace, because it's just, it's, it's an absurd take that you're saying that his stock cannot get higher if he wins an MVP. That his stock cannot get higher if he makes, if he, if he leads the Bengals to a number one seed. His stock can't get higher if he makes, it, sends him to the Super Bowl. And heaven forbid, if stock can't get higher if they win the damn Super Bowl. What are we talking about, Trace? I know you're making points for the sake of talk radio right now. No, but if I'm you, not. If you honestly believe that Joe Burrow is worth less if they win the Super Bowl? That is the craziest thing that less. has ever been said in this studio. See, you're missing is, my point. It is the craziest <laughs> thing that has ever been said. Maybe even worse no. than Keyshawn Johnson going to win the Masters in 10 years. Elliot said he could win the Masters in 10 years. You're out on that. Listen, this isn't Sports Talk Radio. I'm saying, you're saying, you're looking at it from the standpoint of how much he's worth financially to the NFL. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, how much is he worth to Mike Brown anymore? How much is he worth to Mike Brown? That's the only person that matters in this city. That's it. If, let me ask you something. If he wins a Super Bowl, is it more likely that Mike Brown would be like, you know what? I'm not paying this guy a billion dollars. I can't afford it. I'll move on. We've won the Super Bowl. I've won you a Super Bowl. Or is it he gets you to the Super Bowl again and you, and you, and you don't win and Mike Brown still hasn't had the one thing that he wants in his life do you think he's more apt to possibly ponying up and paying for it then? Just saying. If, if you're asking me if it's more likely that if Joe wins the Super Bowl, it's more likely that he becomes the highest paid quarterback, highest paid player in National Football League history, or we say, take a walk, Joe Burrow, I know what the answer is. I mean, what, what are we talking about? I'll do my yeah. best Elliot impersonation. I mean, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I mean, that's crazy. Chase, that is crazy. Yes, in the back of people's minds, there's going to be in those front office be like, hey, we won the Super Bowl. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, there, can we do there, it again? There is a point to what Trace is saying that's like in a flawed way that's accurate, right? He's So so as a – I'll speak as a Reds fan. If the Reds win a World Series this year, there's going to be a long stretch of time where the front office, anybody, they can do whatever they want. They don't have to show up. The team doesn't have to show up next season. I don't care anymore. They won, they won me my championship. That's it. Now, that's kind of an exaggeration, and it's absurd to think about. Uh, but if, if, you, if you're using his logic, why stop at Burrow? Why not sell the team, relocate him to France? Like, it's just, it doesn't, it wouldn't stop at Burrow. It would just keep going. Where the team won you a Super Bowl, let's move him out of town. Let's sell the franchise. Uh, I've done my job. Let's all go home. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's plausible. I do think there is some logic to it from a fan's perspective where, and especially in a city that, quite frankly, has failed uh, as, as a sports town over the past 25 years plus, um, there, is a, there, is a, there is a part of it where it's like, if you win me the Super Bowl, if you win me the championship, the rest of it just doesn't matter anymore. So I could, I, I could go 15 years without winning another one, but I won that one 15 years ago, so we're all good to go. It's a bad mentality, and it's, one, it's a logic that's flawed, but it is certainly logic. The... the the idea, the basis of your point that Joe Burrow's stock well, that's, cannot yeah, that's, get higher I, I don't, I don't if they win the Super Bowl. It can't get higher in Mike MVP, Brown's brain. I think that that is just so wrong. That is that that is just a wrong. That is, as Ellie likes to put it, that is objectively wrong. 
All right. Well, I got news for you. Stock can't get any higher. And if you want to say it can get, get any higher, how many more millions of dollars does he get making in, in the first place in Cincinnati? How, how, much, how, many, how much more money could he possibly make? What, what's his, let's just let's hypothetically do this. In the chat, I need some help because I don't know these numbers right off the top of my head. Casey's probably going to be a guy that we can lean on right here. Right now, if he does a deal for five years, how many millions of dollars per year is he going to get? It's, it's going to be a $300 million deal. Because Herbert got what two fifty, so Joe Burrow is going to probably get paid two seventy five, three hundred. All right, let's he say might, he wins. He, a, might, he might make sixty million dollars a year. Okay, so so sixty million dollars a year. If he wins a Super Bowl, like you said, that's going to make a stock increase dramatically, or whatever term you want to use. It's going to increase. It's going to increase. It's how increase. much? It's not going to no, decrease, Trace. No, no, it's no, not going to decrease. That's fine, Reed. Answer the question. How many more millions of dollars now is he worth? I mean, I mean, if you if how many if, more? If it's fifty five, if it's fifty five. Yeah. If, if, if the baseline's 55, who wins the Super Bowl? 10%. So 10% of... Uh, of, that's, 60, of that's 60 and a half million or whatever. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers. But if you're telling me that him winning a Super Bowl does not increase his contract... It does, but at some point, the Bengals have to ask the question, what is the contract worth? Well, it's you're you're, it's you're here everything. arguing. It's worth everything. You're, it's, you're, it's literally, it's, it is. It's, 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 it's worth everything. It's, it's worth, worth the franchise. Single, it's worth, every it's worth the franchise. Because if everything. Joe Burrow wins wins a Super and Bowl. And that, my friends, is why I believe Joe Burrow's stock cannot get higher in the city. Is because you have two guys that just looked you square in the face and told you that no matter how much money Joe Burrow and his team asked for, if no matter how, Bowl, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant how much money they asked for. He's worth it. How could you argue that a stock could go up more when you have two guys looking in the camera telling you right now to your face that no matter what he asks for, it doesn't matter. Get it to him. If he wants the whole city, give it to him. If he wants to be the owner of PNG, call up the owner's PNG and find a way that makes sure that he owns all PNG stock. But his stock won't go up that much higher. It won't go up much higher. It won't go up at all because he's already at the top. No. Once you get to Mount Everest, folks, once you're at the top of Mount Everest, you can't get any higher because that's as high as you can get. Joe Burrow's already there. This franchise has been starved for so long that that man has took you to an AFC championship game, has won the AFC championship, got you within a play of winning the Super Bowl, and you guys, and that's fine and rightfully so, could not put him higher than you possibly could ever before. And you want to sit here and tell me that if he goes and wins the Super Bowl, that his stock gets higher, it can't get any higher if he's already as high as you can possibly get. When someone looks you in the face and tells you the money doesn't matter, whatever he wants, he gets. How can it get higher if it's already, it's already infinity? And you know what? He might be worth it. I'm just asking the baseline question, which is, if you're Joe Burrow, why would you go into a season when you can ask for whatever you want and probably get it? And it sounds like the reason that he's not getting a contract done yet is because, lo and behold, believe it or not, Mike Brown decided, nope, they're asking for too much. And to, right. think, that Mike Brown, and to think that Mike Brown might not decide after he wins the Super Bowl that I'm not paying him a billion dollars, let someone else pay him. All right, let's talk some facts here. Yes. Uh, let, let's talk some facts here. Uh, Joe Burrow, yes, his contract. It doesn't matter what the number is. We all agree that he should get paid whatever amount, the city, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yep. But the Bengals cap space currently at the moment is sitting at $20.5 million a year for 2023. 2024 is $66.9, so $67 million. So let, let's shift the conversation to if he doesn't get paid this season – it already straps them financially for the next year. Like, they need to get it done, not just because of Joe Burrow and his his camp, 
the Bengals need to do it this year because it's in favor of their camp. I mean, 2024, they have DJ Reader, Tyler Boyd, Chidobia Wuzier, T. Higgins, all off their contracts. Not to mention Jonah Williams, Josh Tupo, and many other key contributors, not starters, but contributors to this team. If they don't get a deal done in 2023, you're looking at paying Joe Burrow year one more money rather than splitting it up, right? Can't you structure and, contracts however you want, Casey? I mean, yeah, they, but, they, but they, they could say it's a $300 million contract, but since we have a window of opportunity for the next two years, Joe Burrow's contract is going to be $10 million and $10 million. So that's a null void argument. No, 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 no. Because if they don't get it done this year, right? you can't shift a bunch of money into this year's this year, right? You can pay him $300 million for five years, but really it's a six, seven-year deal. You're saying because... they can't use the open cap space from this year. Correct. Okay, I understand. Correct. So it, they need to get it done now. They need to get it done now because it's better for them in the future. Now, I don't know what the holdup is. It could be the T. Higgins thing. It could just be that he's trying to get it figured out where everyone gets paid. And hell, we don't even know. Maybe they're negotiating with Boyd and Reader and Awuzie. We don't know. I mean, Trey Hendrickson got a random deal that we had no idea was coming. We didn't expect that. So, I mean, I, I'm worried. Like, people aren't realizing that there's a lot of contracts that have to be negotiated. A lot of decisions have to be made. We're going to lose some guys. Regardless of how you want to cut this up, we're going to lose a reader probably. We're going to probably lose a Wouzier. We're kind of prepared for a Wouzier, but you get my point. They need to sit down with T and Joe both in the room and say, listen, if we pay you guys, we're going to lose X, Y, Z. If we wait till next year, we're going to lose X, Y, Z, A, B, C. <laughs> like, they got to get it figured out. They got to figure it out. That's what the true argument is. I don't think the, the whole Joe Burrow's stock can't be any higher. I mean, I think we all kind of understood that. Like, I don't. I mean, it, it's at the top already. If he wins the Super Bowl, it's already at the top. Like, so he's going to get top Trace. market money. You agree with Trace? It's going to be top market money. Like, I don't, I don't understand what the the point of the argument is when he's already going to get paid like the top quarterback. My point of the argument is that if I'm Joe Burrow, there's no chance I play a single snap in the NFL this year because there's grown ass men that weigh 300 pounds that are looking to break my legs. That's why. And he's had two years in a row now where you could argue that he's had some injury issues. Now they, that uh, some of that's a little fluky, I get, but he also he, has, he has a he has a knee injury that is a severe injury. Yeah, He's one hit away from 300, 400, whatever millions of dollars you want to talk about being gone, gone. Mr. Mo with a big super chat, by the way. I'm going to read it. Just because fans say his value is infinite doesn't mean that's true for the quarterback market. The salary cap goes up every year. Therefore, his value will go up every year. I don't really understand why you're screaming again. Well, I scream. <laughs> I don't I either. Like <laughs> I scream because people want to convince me that his, that his value could go up. And I'm saying his value really can't go up that much more, if at all, because you have an owner that is, that is captive to making an extension. And if he holds out, I mean, I, I, Joe Burrow might be big enough of a man to say, you know what, I'm going to put business 
to the side because I really care about competition and I don't want to let my boys down. But if it was strictly business deal, Joe Burrow holds out, he legitimately will get whatever he wants because Mike Brown has no choice. Joe Burrow goes out and heaven forbid, heaven forbid I say struggles a little bit this year. I mean, what about that? Sir Boy also, I mean, I don't like talking about fantasy. What happens if he struggles a little bit? Now his contract isn't worth as, as much as people might want. And then you have this whole, then you have this whole possibility that the fan base, some of them think that he's not worth it. And maybe the ownership group starts to question whether he's worth it. He's worth as much as he wants right now. There's no way in the world I would play a single snap without having a contract done if I'm Joe Burrow. Simple as that. Sir Boy put in the super chat as well. Do you honestly think that Mike Brown could live in this town if he doesn't re-sign Joe Burrow? What's that? What, that, that I mean, yeah, but that's irrelevant. Does he care? When, when, when has he cared the last 20 years about that? It's a fair point. Do the Castellinis care? These people are wealthy. They have, they have so much money that it doesn't matter what your opinion is of them. They could care less. That's how, that's how disproportionate to society they are. They could genuinely care less. And, if, and I know that sounds really bad, but I'm, I like being truthful on this show. From a psychological perspective, when you're driving around the road today, and if you were to see somebody, and some people do, some people actually do, but if you've seen somebody on the side of the road fixing their tire, do you give a shit? You probably don't. You probably just drove right past them. You could care less about how their day is. That's how many billionaires and millionaires think. That's how the owners think of, uh, of fans, for the most part. I think that's pretty much exactly how it is. They see somebody on the side of the road thinking, oh, they're pissed off. They, they, I don't care. Whatever. Doesn't, that really doesn't affect me. So the NFL, let me tell you something. Mike Brown is, in, is, 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 a, is an owner in one of the most powerful organizations that this world has. Outside of government, it might be the most powerful organization. If you think what his perception is of what people in Cincinnati think of him affects his life, maybe I would argue that it should. I could argue that your life should be more important where you do care about what people think of you. But based off of what he's done in the past, I don't think a single second of what Mike Brown believes that what people think of him uh, should affect the way that he's going to go about this contract situation. I don't think it will. I don't think Mike Brown's staying up at night right now thinking, oh, no. If I don't re-sign Joe Burrow, people are going to be mad at me. I don't think he does that. Trace, I, uh, yeah, I, I have I to disagree I, with I that. The, but the value of his well, I think that you're naive. Then. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, you might be right. I think you're naive. I think that Casey, if you're going to still sit there and look into the camera and say that I think Mike Brown actually does care uh, about what most of the fans think of me, uh, and I'm going to make a horrible business decision because of it, then I'm just going to do it because I want the fans to be happy. I think you're naive. I mean, if you want there to still be a team in Cincinnati, yeah, you'll do it because there's the like I talked about yesterday, the contract for the stadium is up in like two years. There's no way in hell that the fan base would ever forgive Mike Brown if he does not sign him. No way. And what does that do to him? He leaves Cincinnati. I mean, if, he's if, gone. If, like if he's, Joe Burrow walks he doesn't out the live door, here if anymore. Joe Burrow walks out the door then Season ticket prices are back to two hundred dollars. Yeah. So what you're basically just told me to round this up, round this segment up, and maybe I'm wrong. I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong. Is you just told me that if Joe Burrow doesn't get a deal done and leaves, that the that the Cincinnati Bengals that have been here since franchise history will move because Joe Burrow didn't get a deal done. But 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 his stock could go up. Okay. It can. It can. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So, did, did I get that values. right? Did I get that right? Chat, did I get that right? I'm just making sure everyone's on the same page. If Joe Burrow doesn't get re-signed to the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to leave Cincinnati. But just so you know that if he plays good football this year, his stock can still go up. Listen, Amazon could be the highest selling stock or whatever the highest selling stock is. Tesla, Apple, whatever it is, is the highest selling stock on the New York Stock Exchange. Guess what? It can still go up. Yeah, it can't be one of one. It can't go, can't be even more of the top stock, but it can go up. Right. The price can go up if he does better. I don't. I. I, I just. I, I just can't disagree. I, I just can't get my brain. Right. I can't get my brain well, good, around the good, logic that his risk. stock goes down if he wins a Super Bowl or wins an MVP. His stock will go up if he wins a Super Bowl or an MVP. He'll be worth more money if he does one of those things. And if Joe Burrow and his team wants to risk that for a whole year just so they can get an extra 10% or whatever you said, good business decision. Be really smart of you. They also would get more money year one if he doesn't. Yeah, both teams need to get it. I mean, both, both camps need to get it done. Don't know what to tell you. Yeah, all right. Well, that's enough Joe Burrow talk. Uh, Bengals to the Super Bowl confirmed as by Trace, and the stock will go up at that point. So last night, FC Cincinnati played a meaningful match. Uh, Casey, let's throw it over to you. Yeah, uh, I'm actually prepared this time. Very prepared this time. I watched the game. Uh, again, FC, they, they, they struggled out, out of the gate like they always do, it seems like. Um, they always start slow. I don't know why that is. They just do. And uh, like I said yesterday, Acosta. Mike. Oh, my mic is on. My mic is on. What? What? What's going on? I don't know. I was told Mike. I, I don't know. I got my mic is on. Anyways, uh, Acosta, like I said yesterday, that's the reason why you watch. And boy, he provided some just peak, peak entertainment last night. I have the two goals scored. Both, I would consider assists from Acosta. It's not technically. Marked down as an uh, one of them is not technically marked down as an assist from Acosta, but we're gonna watch this. Acosta the highlights. Acosta. I mean, look at the look at that kick. Ooh, good ball look control, little header. Oh, that was nice with it. That was nice. I mean, Acosta with a very precise pass. Can Acosta even ride in delirium? <laughs> He's five three. He's all 5'3". I was wrong yesterday. He's not 5'6". He's all of 5'3". Is it, five, is it 54 inches? Because what, what's 5'3"? That's, that's 60. But, I mean, nice little pass in between. Gets a kick back to him. Boom. Other opposite corner. Let's go over the second goal. Kicks it to Barrial. Kicks it to Vasquez. Boom. Great, great team play there. Great passes. Starts with Acosta, finding the right guy. Barrio crossing it over. Vasquez finishing it. Just a moment where play stopped because they thought Tiago Amato was pulled by Nick Hagland. Both those goals happened within five minutes of each other. Um, very explosive FC. And they just sneak another one, man. I mean, the whole game, it felt like. They were there, right? They, they, for the first 25 minutes, no, it was not good. But after that, 
They had a lot of opportunities, a lot of chances, and eventually they found the crack late in the game. 75th minute, boom, scored. 80 minute, boom, wins the game. Acosta, I mean, he's he's in the MVP conversation, and he has been for a couple is years. Is there an now. MVP in MLS? There is. There is. Is it, is it is it like the NF? It's two MVPs, so on the eastern and the western side. Uh, that I do not know. Yeah, and I imagine not many other people do but, either. But I, I think I think it is just one one uh, award for one player, and I mean, uh, FC they I'd give it to Messi. they clinched they clinched their uh, the playoff chances and uh, they only have seven games left eight games left. The next two games are pretty tough games. Two teams on the top of the table, Orlando City and Philadelphia Union, the previous winners of the MLS Cup. And uh, after that, man, they got a cakewalk. I mean, the rest of the team's last six games of the season, all at the bottom of the table. Um, they have a chance to break the points record if they continue to play the way that they're playing. Um, they've got to win a significant amount of those eight games I just mentioned, but FC, man, they... They're looking really good. Um, they came out of the break a little slow. Like I said, they always start out a little slow for some reason and pick right back up where they left off. How close are we to clinching? Well, where are we at? What, what's we, the, we uh, what's the outlook? We already clinched. clinched. We clinched the playoff spot. Last already. night? Yeah. Damn. We're dancing. We're in the dance. Smoke a cigar. All right. Smoke a stogie. Oh, I got to wait for that. And by the uh, way, Trace confirmed to me yesterday that no matter any circumstance on earth, we will be live streaming, only Trace, and nobody else will be in the room. It'll just be Trace what? live streaming the championship match between FC Cincinnati and God knows, God knows whoever they play in the uh, MLS uh, championship series. So Trace will be there by himself live streaming it, uh, and that'll be fun. That'll be electric. Did you see what he just did there? This is me. This is a bus. He just... <laughs> he trolled. That was a good troll, Elliot. And the truth is, is that uh, that was never agreed upon. What was agreed upon was that we could all watch it together. I, I, I think I could get behind that. If FC Cincinnati is playing in the in the championship, as long as it's not on a Sunday, Saturday, <laughs> Thursday, Monday, Friday night, Monday, no Monday. Monday night. Outside of that, right? We got them all. Saturday, Sunday, Monday night. Thursday, <laughs> Friday night. If it's in one of those areas after that, we'll we'll watch it. I'm all for so that's it. That's Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, well, that's Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday. The There's Maction in the fall, though, for Tuesdays. Well, I'm not – is it during Maction? MLS Cup is December 9th. Oh. December 9th. That's bowl yep. season, though. Well, that's St. Nick's Day. Wait so a minute. Time out. Time out for a second. I'm being serious about this. They hold the they hold the the championship on December 9th if it could be played in Cincinnati. Correct. And you I want mean, to know something great? What? You want some to know something snow great? Snow soccer. Trace? Some snow soccer. The season starts in like February. I know. Like what? <laughs> oh, wait. Do these guys get time off? <laughs> Mouse just put it in there. It's the same day as the shootout. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Trace just confirmed that instead of UC versus Xavier, the biggest game in the city, he will be watching FC Cincinnati versus the Kansas City uh, Beavers. That's who he'll be watching. That's who Trace will be hey, watching hey, live streaming. Huh? Let's not talk bad about the Beavers. Oh, yeah. We have Beaver talk today later. 
Bonk. <laughs> what? You'll, isn't that isn't that the mascot? Bonk. Mm. <laughs> is that not the mascot? I have no idea what we're even talking about at this point. I, I no, listen, that's not. I'm not going to downplay. Oh, I said, I said the wrong one. I said the wrong one. I said the wrong one. If FC Cincinnati's in the championship, by God, I'll, I'll be fired up for it. I really will. I think that, like I said before, FC Cincinnati could break the curse if there is even such a thing uh, of the Cincinnati championships. And sounds like December, unless the Reds pull off a miracle, sounds like they'll have the next opportunity. So. The Reds? Yeah. I said oh. the Reds. You got a problem with that? Is it time for college football picks, Casey? The stock's going down. If we're done talking about FC, you guys are done slandering oh, well, it. Please, add more. No, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm Let's excited. The, the umpire scorecard came out from yesterday's Reds game. No, we're not doing this. What do you know? The Reds got screwed again. <laughs> Favored half a run to the Giants. Darn Why, it. really? Darn it. Unbelievable. Mm, no. The umpires getting our red legs again. Oh my god. Well, I'm glad somebody is up for accountability, justice. Reed, keep it up. I wanna I wanna know the report after every game. <laughs> Trust me, I just gotta get on X.com. You'll in, see it. In You'll fact, see it. In fact, I'd argue that's why our run differential has it has has the issues it has. Yeah, it has. Oh, that's umpires. true. You're right. I just mean, yeah, because, I mean, just because they went four or... to one, they probably should have won five to one. That adds up over a long course of a season. That's yeah. where the run differential that's, that's truly actually, lies. The umpires. A, I mean, we're averaging and, and what? The, the umpires the way, are worth about three d- runs a game, so 160 games. So the Reds have a minus 1,700 run differential <laughs> since 1998. If you start adding up all these umpire cards from every year, minus 1,700 probably turns into like minus 1,400. Good point. No, no. It's every game. It's every game at least a run. Let's. I mean, that's 160. So I mean, probably dead even. Probably, probably broke even since World Series champions. Well, 100. percent That's those fair. Buyers, those pesky umpires. All right, let's get into the Betfred Sportsbooks picks. Uh, we, uh, as always, 21 plus in Ohio. If you have a gambling problem, please call 100 Gambler. Uh, if you win, um, it's hard to claim that you have a gambling problem. Obviously, if you're losing a lot. That's where we want to make sure that you have uh, you have your head on straight. You can't be losing your lunch money. You can't be losing your your, your mortgage, and hopefully uh, doesn't affect your uh, your your mentals either. So, uh, although I got to be honest, if you are gambling a good amount, it's going to affect your mentals. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> That's part of the deal. If you feel like it's crossed the line, please call one hundred Gambler. All right, first up, NC State versus the powerhouse, the Connecticut Huskies. I didn't know they had a football team still. Only team in the Big East. Good for them. Is UConn maybe, honestly, probably the most disappointing football program in Division One? Has to be close. Uh, and for that reason, if I'm picking first, I'm going to go with NC State. I, that means I'm Line up. sits at 15. Minus 15, NC State's favorite. It's a lot of barking going on. Husky versus Wolfpack. Going to see who the big dog is, and I think it's going to be the Wolfpack. Give me the NC State Wolfpack covering 15, two tutters. Uh, UConn's just not a very good football team. I'm also going to go NC State. Well, guys, I will uh, break down this game for y'all. Um, Thank you, Casey. Get up there, Casey. <laughs> get up. Get up there. Break it down. Break it down. What do you got for up, us? Casey. What do you got? All right, so NC State. Uh, they're known for their defense. Um, mm-hmm. They course. have got a really good defensive front. They are returning uh, Savion Jackson. Um, he's played for five years now, defensive end. 
um, one of the ACC's top players. And uh, they're going up against UConn, who has a, I, I guess, I guess they have a pretty good offensive line. Um, they are holding a uh, offensive guard who was third-team All-American last season. Um, let me tell you, though, NC State, they've been ranked a few a few times this year. They lead the series 3 to nothing. Um, if you can get the spread at 14, that is, for me, that is the, the dead pick. I mean, you've got to pick NC State. 15, it's a little tough. It's a little tough, but I'm also okay. going to take NC State here. Man, um, what good, is the chat right across the board? Yeah, that's a good, the chat, that's a good pick. chat finished Despite their poll. What do they got? The chat also has NC State yes, a clean sweep. Do. I think that one, uh, I think we all agree on that Look, one. There we that, go. That usually we'll, doesn't, we'll that usually doesn't yeah. bode well. That yeah. usually doesn't bode well. Yeah, so I just changed my bet. Actually, no, you don't get to I, change it. Yeah, no, fact. I'm changing it now. We're riding with the Huskies. They're gonna have to <laughs> save you on their season tonight. So let's go, Huskies. So is this a real thing? Are we gonna allow this guy to do this? Why not? Are Why not allow let him this guy to do it? I'm, I'm changing All the right. Huskies. He's and again, change it to the Huskies. And again, this is, this is not the serious thing. So this is just a little gimmick play. So this is a teaser for when Tom comes back and he's giving his picks, right? So this is this is not count for the overall record. This is just a little competition in the office. Loser gets fired. <laughs> just friendly competition. Loser <laughs> loses their job. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, at this point, that might not seem like a bad thing. All right, uh, Bedfred line, Florida, the Gators, Swamp Kings. Swamp Kings. Shout out Swamp Kings. Not the best documentary, but it's there nonetheless. <laughs> Utah, the Utes, been pretty good. Utah Utes have had a pretty good program over the years. Uh, that line is set at the Utah Utes are favored by four points. The over-under is 44 and a half with our good friends at Bedfred Sportsbook. I am going to go with the Utah Utes. I think that they are an underrated program. I think they're a good football team. And I think Florida is uh, – they're, they're still hanging on to the old Urban Meyer days. They're still, they're, still, uh, they're still pulling out the old memory book and the old photo book showing all their kids how good they used to be. That is who the Florida Gators program is. That's what they're continuing to be, and that's what they might be forever. We'll see. But I'm going to go with the Utah Utes. You look good in Florida colors. You look good in Florida colors up there. Uh, really those are also Cubs colors. Well, you like your rivals' colors. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Yep. Yeah, you look great in those. Um, yeah, we got Florida versus Utah. Um, Utah had a great season last year. It's actually uh, for the Dodgers. The, the Utes. Um, <laughs> hey, go Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's four points. If you're giving me an SEC team against the, the pillow fight that is uh, the Pac-12 and the, the no longer program that is the Pac-12, I'm going to take the Gators. They're going to chomp, chomp. And now that they don't have Anthony Richardson at quarterback in their offense, they might actually get a, be able to score. So give me the Gators. They're covering for uh, chomp, chomp, baby. Yeah, uh, Utah will be joining an elite conference in the Big 12. Uh, I, I have to stick with the conference. You know, everybody in the conference, we're kind of like a family over here in the Big 12. So I'm going to welcome them in, and I'm going to take Utah. Utah minus four and a half. I love it. Guys, um, I'm also taking Utah. Uh, Idiots. The Florida Gators are they, – their quarterback is Graham Mertz. Um, oh, that was the he, failed Wisconsin guy? That's correct. The failed Wisconsin guy. Um, not sure if I really believe in him. Uh but Utah, Utah also has a serious quarterback issue, so this game might just be uh, a crapshoot altogether. But Utah's got some really good uh, um, skill guys. They've got a really good tight end. 
They got a really good running back, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. The chat has picked Utah as well. So, <laughs> all right. Looks like uh, looks like we should be going with uh, with Utah here. The Utes, Utes. Yeah. All right. Utes. Well, like I said, I I think sometimes you, you you base your picks week week one at least, not week zero, but week one. You usually can base your picks off the program, and not so much the team, because it's hard to know what the team looks like. Um. Both of those, but both the committee those, does. The both committee of those always programs, does rankings. Both of those programs lost big time quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson, uh, what was it? Cam Rising, what was that guy's name? Anyways, I don't know. It's somewhere here. There, Utah lost their quarterback as well. All right, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers. Matt Rule back in charge. Summer saying he lost team control. His tight end got a little loose the other day. Won't get into that. Uh, Minnesota, row your boats gently down the stream. They are a seven-point favorite are the Minnesota Gophers. I'm going to go with Minnesota uh, because I, I think rowing the boat's important. And I'm going to go with rowing the boat. I don't believe in the Cornhuskers. I think they are a has-been program. Matt Rule has a small chance to get them back, though. If there's anybody that I actually believe can do it, it is Matt Rule. And you think I'm laughing? You think this is a bit? It's not a bit. He took over a dead program in Baylor uh, and turned them around. Um, who am I going to take? It's a seven-point spread between Minnesota and Nebraska on this lovely Thursday um, fall-like day. Um, you might be asking, am I going to take the Cornhuskers? Are they going to get back? That's how you do it. It's basically like the, the Scouts Honor thing over here. But who am I going to take? Minnesota! Give me Minnesota to cover seven. <laughs> Go Golden Gophers. Row the boat. Yeah, I'm going to take Minnesota too, I think. So go Minnesota. I, by the way, when I said Beavers earlier, I, I thought I, I, got, I got confused. It's the gopher, not a beaver. That yeah. was my bad. Hand up to me. Uh, minus, I, by the way, I want everybody to know I'm not going to watch this game. I have money on it. I'm not going to watch a second of it. Uh, I think this game is going to be disgusting, ugly. That's just what Big Ten football is. Sorry, Mark, in the chat. Uh, but, yeah, shout out Minnesota. Try your best. Yeah, Ellie, I agree with you. It's going to be uh... – it's going to be an old classic football game, right? It's just going to be a lot of running the football, and ground football, and pound. Mean... Uh, no, I mean American oh. football. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this this game is just, uh, you know, we got Nebraska who has now uh, Matt Rule, right? And he's a defensive-minded coach, brought in um, a couple guys that were also defensive-minded mm -hmm. coordinators to prep for uh, – the revitalization of Nebraska, which is not here yet. I think it's going to take a, a little bit of time for that program to turn around. Um, I have Minnesota winning this ball game. Um, I think they just got a better better. So is chance. that a clean sweep? I think that is, is a, that clean a clean sweep. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to switch mine again. Uh, we're going to go <laughs> – we're going to take Nebraska, the Cornhuskers. As I've said, I believed in Nebraska this whole time. I think this is our year in Nebraska. Let's go out and win a championship. Let's shock the world a little bit, Yeah. Let's go, let's go win the whole damn thing. Let's go, Cornhuskers. And the chat. Matt Rule looks great in the NFL. The chat. Looks great. As Minnesota. So. All right. Chat. Look at that. Again, loser of this gets fired. So. You may, remember a couple of years ago, Nebraska was 3-9 and nine and had a positive point differential. In the, like, they were like 1-9 in the Big Ten. And they had a positive run point differential because they beat Northwestern by 49 points. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, not volleyball, but speaking of volleyball in Nebraska, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't, if we have more picks, we'll save them for just a second. Nope. But that was the last one. That was the last one, so here's your segue of the day. 
If you didn't see it, this is pretty cool. I know that many in the chat are going to laugh. They're going to say, oh, you know, what, you know, what is it? It's just volleyball. This, that, and the other. But you know what? Listen, uh, there are some women's sports that I actually think are more enjoyable to watch than men's sports. Do I think that ultimately women are ever going to be more likely, better athletes at a specific sport than men? No, because that's what biology tells us. Hopefully that's not too controversial, but I think that's just relatively the truth. Here's the thing, though. Volleyball is one sport that I think is more enjoyable to watch with women playing it because there's not there's, there's longer rallies and I think you can make the same case for tennis. But the other day, and the other day I think yesterday, uh, they filled up <laughs> Nebraska Stadium and by stadium I mean their football stadium. The most people to ever watch a volleyball game was here. Casey, go ahead and run the clips so the people can see it. I think that it's uh it's I got two. It's clips. cool. Go ahead, run them. It's like it's like boxing. The champion comes in light, later, and they just let them. They let it linger a little bit. <laughs> They're fired up. That's your team, Elliot. Cornhuskers. It's their year. It's their year. It's. I've been saying it for long. It's our year. I mean, with all due respect. With all due respect, was this a, was this a highlight that the, the Nebraska put out on their their socials or something? This was actually competing. Competing. <laughs> That's being nice. But here, here's everyone's. The, you got a photo or what do you got? You got something else for me? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's something to do in Nebraska. I mean, listen, here's the thing. Before we get into Tracy Jones, Tracer's waiting on us. Um, I'm being relatively serious when I say this. I think that there are sports that, that women, if, if, if uh, what's the right term to use? If, if there was a main focus and a priority on specific women's sports that where, quite frankly, it's not, the, it's not the mainstream sports. It's not basketball, it's not baseball, and it's obviously not football. I genuinely do think that you could make the case that women's volleyball is one of the few sports where that, again, 92,000, maybe not, but that could become like uh, an actual real thing where if there's only call it four games and it's not during football season and it was something for said universities to do and it becomes a spectacle, I could convince, I could convince myself into thinking that that could become a little bit more of the norm. Because as I said before, I think that uh, women's volleyball has a chance to be one of the few sports that, that is played to where it could grow in popularity and be much, much more famous, if you will, than men's volleyball. Tracy, 
Uh, this is probably a hot, hot topic to bring you in on. I know that you're a guy that doesn't usually bring in the controversy. I think I just said some things that are probably pretty controversial to some. Most people with a relatively rational brain and the head on straight probably wouldn't disagree with what I said. But you never know. You know how the world can go, Tracy. Do you have any take yeah. on what you just seen with the volleyball? 94,000 watching Nebraska Cornhusker women's volleyball. I thought it was pretty cool. Should bring it up. And then it started making me think, what sports could they possibly excel in? And by they, I mean women in general, to where they would overtake the landscape of that specific sport. 94,000 to watch women's volleyball. That's, that's Nebraska. There's nothing to do in Nebraska. I'd rather watch two frogs go at it. Hey, listen, I got to touch something with Elliot. Um, Elliot, you didn't know it was the Minnesota Gophers. You thought it was the Minnesota Beavers. If that's not a Freudian slip, I don't know what is. And I wasn't going to bring this up, but I will bring it up because you kind of screwed up the show. Who doesn't know it's the Gophers, the Beavers? You know, maybe it's because you've been to the brass ass the last four nights. That's what's on your mind. You think, do you think you might have an issue with that? No, no, Mr. Jones, that's silly. Come on, Mr. Jones. Listen, I, 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 every once in a while, you think of a mascot, and it's not the team's mascot. A gopher and uh -huh. a – what's the difference between a gopher and a beaver? You tell me, you tell me, Mr. Jones, what's the difference? I think it's the tongue, I, I think. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> you know, four more trips to the brass ass, Elliot, and you get a brass ass black card. So that'll get you a reduction on those $3 warm beers. It's, it'll make it now $11. <laughs> so keep going there, Ellie, because people are spotting you there. Thank you, Mr. Jones. <laughs> okay, listen. Hey, enough, enough of this Tom Fulry stuff. I actually have something serious. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, I'm focused. Yeah, earmuffs. Does, does uh, Casey have any earmuffs that he could put on? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Talk about yeah, I'm going to talk about gambling, and I know what a degenerate gambler Casey is. So this is – I'm going to give you a tip. I'm not saying to go and do it, but I, it's about the Reds. Has okay. anyone looked at the schedule of the Cincinnati Reds? Have you guys looked at that? Believe it or not, uh, of all the folks in the office that have paid attention to the schedule, I think Casey's at the top of the list. He's, he's been telling us – he's been telling us for a month now that we, that we have a cupcake schedule here in September, and uh, we just got to get to it. It's going to be, and write this down, it, you probably never heard this, it's going to be a September to remember. Ooh. Have you ever heard that? Did you coin that? It's pretty edgy. No, but look at the schedule, boys. I mean, you've, I've got it right here. You've got, you've got the Cubs, right? Yep. And then you've yep. got Seattle. But after that, you have Detroit. I played for the Tigers, by the way. The Mets, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and St. Louis. And if you look at Arizona and you look at San Francisco's schedule, they've got some tough teams that they're playing. Of course, you got the Dodgers twice with both those teams. So I'm saying the Reds are one game behind in the wild card. Is that right, Trace? That's right. One game. You're on it. One game. Okay, and here's why Casey should not be listening to this. And I pulled this up, and maybe you guys can pull it up. You could bet $10 to win $41. They don't think – the chances of the Reds making the playoffs is very good. I totally disagree with that. I'm all over that if I was a betting man. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I think not that, that it not that it matters. I think the only pushback I would have on that, Tracy, is that it all depends on what this series looks like. If you think that this Reds team is going to win three or four and or split against or sweep, possibly sweep, we'll start. Let's start at sweep. We'll start there. If they sweep, 
take three or four, or split with the Cubs, I think at that point you can make the case that you have a very good argument. The only concern that I have, the way this team's been playing, they, if they don't pick anybody up on the waiver wire, they lose three or four, heaven forbid they get swept, that's the end of that. That'd be a loss. You, you basically would have lost $10 nowhere near, near as fast as you would have just done uh, betting that they were going to go to the postseason. Maybe, maybe at the brass ass. But outside of your, your $10, you would have never lost it anywhere faster than what you would have done if you placed it on the Reds making the postseason. Which, again, I don't think it's a bad bet, Tracy. But I think it's a risky one, especially with this four-game set with the Cubs. It's a big uh -oh. series, Tracy. Yeah. You, do you remember the last time you had me on and I said the second game in with the Giants was going to be a tough game for them because of that eight hours on the tarmac in Arizona? What yeah. happened? They almost got no hit. They only got one hit, right? The, no, you're right. Some rookies shut them out. I mean, remember, I see things that you don't see. Right. And Except they didn't you, get swept. But outside of that, you had a perfect They didn't record. get swept. But uh, Brandon Webb, that was a big game for the Reds. Big game. But they don't have to sweep the Cubs. They don't. They don't have to, you know, take three from the Seattle Mariners. They just have to go four and three in these next seven games, and the Reds will be in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win the division or anything like that, but there's one spot. I think they're better than the San Francisco Giants, and I think they're better than Arizona. That's my right. take. Tracy, we'll, uh, we'll kind of keep you into the show mold. We'll, we'll run right back through some of the topics that we've discussed on this show already. One of them is which uh, this ownership group has said that they are, they are committed to winning. This ownership has, group has said they run this franchise like a nonprofit. At the trade deadline, Tracy, uh, and maybe this is why people decide not to open their mouths to the media, but at the trade deadline, Nick Crawl had said that thankfully to the fans and their support, they have got themselves in a position where they have financial, and in his terms, flexibility. They're going to think when, they're going yeah, to embark, they're gonna embark on a waiver wire, Tracy. Do you think they're going to make a move or not? I think they could. I just, I, I think it's better off that they try to get a relief pitcher or a couple relief pitchers. I think the starting pitching's been just fine. I, you're going to get Fraley back. I, I don't. I think they're sitting all right. I really do. I don't think you give up any young ball player and, I, and crawl not making a move at the trade that deadline. I, I don't want to see him give up any of these good players. Not a right. single one. And I that's mean, they the are very talented. That's the position, though, that the ownership group's probably put in a tough spot here, Tracy, because it's, it's all money. That's all it is, Tracy. All they got to do is pay the final month of these players' salary. Uh, you got guys like Harrison Bainter who are owed $800,000. And listen, $800,000 is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things to the Cincinnati Reds, $800,000 is not all that much money when it comes to a, uh, a salary pool. You also have guys like Hunter Renfro. Uh, who are, are worth 200, or not 200, excuse me, $2 million for the last month. You got guys like Clevenger and Giolito, and you have relief pitchers. These guys are all basically for free in regards to uh, prospects. You don't have to give up anybody for them. None. Mm -hmm. The only thing you got to do is pay for them. Now the problem is, is that uh, quite frankly, Bob and Phil are putting a spot now, and that whole ownership group are putting a spot now to where if they decide to pass on these guys, they don't really have anything to hide behind, Tracy. I don't want to say I'm concerned for them. Do you think that they'll come through or not? I, I, I don't know, but I know it's kind of tough, going to be tough to pick up these players because they have to go through a pecking order, right? They do. The, the worst record gets an opportunity to, to take them before the Reds. So, I, I don't know. Do you want a guy like Bader? Aren't they having trouble finding positions for guys as it is. I mean, you throw another guy in the mix. You guys are always talking about chemistry. I mean, some guy the Yankees got rid of 
and owe him how many millions of dollars, and they're going to do that, and you expect this guy to come in and, and, and do well. I mean, he's hit, hitting, I think, 230, so with not much power. I, I don't really like him as a player. This, the, these are true, but he does smash left-handed pitching. And if you like Jake Fraley, he does not smash left-handed pitching. And I guess you could say, Tracy, and unless you're unless you're all bought in on a guy like TJ Hopkins, which if you are, Tracy, by all means, you did love Aristina's Aquino. So I must give you credit. You are a very good <laughs> eye for you are a very good eye for talent. So if you like guys like TJ Hopkins out there, maybe you do like Nick Senzel playing right field. He looks like he's been a right fielder his whole life. I don't know if you've ever watched him track a ball, but it looks like it's finding Waldo half the time. And then you got guys like uh, Stuart Fairchild, who, quite frankly, I think caught a little bit of heat in this city. I think that you could make the argument, Casey, that uh, Tracy, that there's plenty of people that uh, that the Reds could possibly go get and they'll help their team. We'll see if the front office does it. We'll see. We'll see. In, in, in defense of my Aquino pick, do you remember yes. when I had the top ten uh, from Chat GPT AI? Remember yes. when they ranked top ten hitters? The top ten. Top 10 hitters since 2010, I think it was. And yes. Aquino, to my credit, was number 10 on that list, believe it or not. So, you know, great minds think alike. Yeah, you know, it turns he, out you're a robot. Kind of, that was kind of a crazy, kind of a crazy career for that guy because he started off so hot. I thought he was going to be a superstar. I really did. That was some of the best two months I've ever seen a, a guy hit. I mean, he really produced. Yeah, you, you don't. He dropped. You don't get the nickname the Punisher for nothing, Tracy. So he did. No. He did make an impact. Um, if you get an impact, if you get a, if you get a nickname in this city, then then you then you've done something. Whether it's good or bad, at least you've done something. There's a lot of guys that have come and gone that have never gotten a nickname. You would know that, right, yeah. Mr. Two Nine? Or you call me Tripod. Hey, listen. Here's a, here's a stat right here. Here's a stat right here. You ready for this? See if you guys can guess what player this is. I'm ready for He's it. He's on pace to hit 40 home runs, okay. 100 ribeye stakes, and he's hitting 186. Who is it? Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. Is that a good year or a bad year in your opinion? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. This is where you're gonna get. This is where you're gonna get the. You're gonna get the the, the the two sides that always want to fight together. You're gonna get the guys that look at batting average and, and on base, and that's all they care about. And then you're gonna get guys that, uh, that, that 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 care about power, OPS, which on base is a part of that. But give Schwarber credit. He gets on base and he hits the ball over the fence. Doesn't get on if if he hits the ball in play though. He usually gets out. So I don't know. Do you have a, do you have a take on that? Uh, as a hitter, that's pretty productive. I, I feel like that's pretty productive. 40 home runs, you're getting on base 34, 35% of the time. I feel like that's pretty good. Though he's the worst fielder in Major League Baseball, so if he was a DH, he'd be a much more productive baseball player. He just is the worst, literally the worst defensive player in the league. He's got incredible stats. You know, he has as many home runs as he does singles. I mean, how do you, how do you produce? I think the stat that stands out for me with Schwarber is the 100 RBIs. I mean, RBIs to me is the most important stat in baseball because that tells me you're producing in the clutch. I mean, you, there, there was a guy, now listen to this story, and I'm not going to name this name because he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay. But we were, we were on the road in 87, and this guy already had two hits in the game. And I'm sitting next to someone, I'm not going to name name, and the best hitter in the league, or pretty close to the hitter, is up. And the guy on the bench, who's a superstar too, won a lot of World Series, turns to me and goes, watch this, Trace. He's going to ground out to second. I said, you're, you're crazy. I said, watch him. You know, he's already got two hits. He's hitting 350. And you know what he did? 
ground out to second base. What my point is this, some guys can't hit in the clutch. It's a real skill. I play with a guy like, by the name of Jay Buhner, drove in 105 mm -hmm. runs and he, I don't even think he had 105 hits. Just hitting like Schwarber does, I think it's pretty productive. 100 RBIs is a big, right? He's hitting 100 RBIs out of the leadoff spot too. He's their leadoff hitter. That's that. That's. I mean, how many leadoff hitters in the history of the game have 100 RBIs? It's it's very rare. Crazy. Right. It's it's, it's incredibly productive. Yeah. Were you a, were you a clutch hitter? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think is when you look at a player? What is the most important stat you look at? Uh, on base percentage. How how often you don't result in an out that's simple as that. Like that on base percentage it's i mean if you you get 27 outs in a game if you're not giving the team an out you're you're pretty productive you're a pretty good hitter what's what stat do you think is the most productive rbis uh, you know i like the on base percentage that's why i used to defend adam dunn remember adam dunn you know people would criticize him that son of a gun was on base all the time but i'm going to go back to the rbis the ribeye stakes have that guy on second base and have a player on your team that drives him in, that's a big, big deal. You know, the Reds, for so many years, when I used to do extra innings, they would have trouble with hitting with runners in scoring position. It was a, They were always toward the bottom of, of the standings. But hitting, I just I just think the Schwarber thing, 100 ribeye stakes, and le hitting leadoff, Reed, I think is a great point. That, that's so hard to do. I don't know how he's doing it. Yeah, it's certainly something. Tr Tracy, you're you're from uh, California, and I want to switch topics a little bit. I catch a lot of grief on this show um, for for my attire, and it is they they say I wear too short of shorts. Now you're got from a guy from a different era. I know you're from the '80s, and that's when short shorts were were in. You're from California, and I I mean. Do you have a problem with short shorts? Our our viewers seem to to just hate short shorts. Yeah, I think that's a little shaky. I don't know what you're trying to show there, but I'm more of a cargo short guy. Oh, now, that doesn't mean that back in the 80s, I wasn't wearing dolphin shorts. Of course, I had really nice legs back then. Do you guys remember dolphin shorts, or is that before your time? Are dolphin shorts the really short, like a mesh, well, not mesh, but like a cotton material? Those, those. How can you wear short shorts with the nickname the tripod? <laughs> I, I, let's move it along, please. That one's not... Trace, back to you. Tracy, uh, you you, you yeah. gotta say you gotta you gotta come back with something witty quick, man. You gotta be ready. Uh, I think you just gotta say uh, something along the lines that uh, you always find a way. Good players find a way, and that's what. Uh, yeah, there's a stat that you pick up. I don't know if there's one specific one that you have to pick, Tracy. I think that there's a multitude of, of factors that could go into. Uh, picking a stat, one that I think that I, I'm glad that I've come off of, that I've always felt that was kind of goofy, was the, the average. Um, it's specific, just the batting average itself. It, it, it can kind of paint a picture. If you told me one stat from a hitter's perspective that I would want to know about, I think I strictly just want to know what their average exit velocity was. I really do. I think that that would, <laughs> that would, probably, that yeah. would probably paint a pretty big picture, a pretty good picture. As to uh, as to how good of a player they are. Now, obviously, I don't know how many times they're striking out. That'd be kind of nice to know too. But but uh, average exit velocity of, of of how hard a guy hits a ball is probably a pretty good indication if if they're good or not. Well, I don't I don't know about that, Trace. But get back to average. You certainly do a lot of Votto bashing on this show because he has such a low average. 
But have you really looked at his power numbers this year? It's not Tracy. Bad. Tracy. <laughs> yeah. Tracy. I'm a big Votto fan. I love Votto too as much as anybody. He's the best Reds hitter of all time. But come on. Come on. Are you Let one of those guys? That. Are you one of those guys that are saying they should pick up his his option for next year? You got it. Not his oh. option. He's he's gotta make three or four thousand dollars. Do you know he's trilingual? Do you know that? He's fluent in Spanish. Yes. French and English. Yep. Can you believe that guy? He went to Rosetta you. Stone, worked two hours a day to pick up a third language. I mean, he's a very smart guy. He's very cerebral. He's a lot like me, a renaissance man, a, a yeah. thinker. I just, big Joey Votto fan. You know that. You know what I think about Joey Votto? I don't know if it's as much to do about, um, which I think is giving him more credit. I, and maybe he is highly intellectual. Maybe he is, is, a, is super, super high IQ. I think more importantly what he is, he's just a hard worker. I think he outworks everybody in a way, right? I think that's oh. how he's gotten that that's how he's gotten to be successful. And you know, you know a lot of guys in life. Most people fall into two categories, right? Or three, I should say. Three categories. You have guys that are successful because they just have high level IQ and they're God gifted and things come to them really quickly. You have guys that work unbelievably hard to try to get to a level that makes them as, you know, as successful as they could possibly be. And then you have losers. Um Joey Votto, in my opinion, has always been a guy that is that has done the, the the work as hard as you possibly can to be as good as you possibly can. And I'm not trying to take away from his intelligence. He might be a super super high IQ guy. I don't know that, but yeah. I do I do see the work ethic. And in order for you to know three languages, and especially the the Spanish component, where he knew early on in his career that that being able to speak in Spanish and being able to speak That's in right. the, the native language of a lot of these ball players that he was going to come in connection with was really intelligent of him. It was, and you know what? If, if, it's, if it's one of those things where I think he just looked at his job, Tracy, and he thought to himself, how, how can, what can I do to make myself as, po as, as good as I possibly could be for my job? And, and, and learning Spanish, learning Spanish, Tracy, I think was on that list of things that he thought that he needed to do. Un poquito, tu muy malo. Um, here's the thing with Vado, and I don't know if you saw this. I used to date a, uh, a girl out of Tijuana when I was in California. I would go down to Tijuana and bring yeah. her back over the border. I'd put her in the trunk and have mm. her go back and forth to, to Tijuana. Sounds but you, legal. You know, the thing with, with Joey Vado, he wants to come back. I don't know if you saw that article in, uh, in USA Today. Did you guys see that about him wanting to come back? So there it is. He's not going to, I don't want him to pick up that contract, but he's, He's worth, I think, $200 million or $150 million. He's got FU money. But if the Reds come back to say, hey, would you come back for 3 or $4 million? I think he would. And I think the Reds should jump on it. You know, they jumped on David Bell. They jumped on Hunter Green. Why not bring Joey Votto? I think it'd be great for the organization. Just, just my take. I know I'm in the minority, but that's my take. That's a fair take. And it's hard to say of what, it, what Joey Votto is actually worth. I think it's, uh, it's reasonable I guess I'll ask you this. Is it reasonable to think that there could be possibly some frustration to Joey if he doesn't play hardly at all? If he's, if he's got the role of a Kevin Newman, is Joey Votto the same kind of guy around the clubhouse? Is he the same kind of guy uh, when, he's, when he's coming to be productive in the field if he's not playing every day? He's never been in that position. So, and I'm not trying to down. I'm not trying to say yeah. that he can't, Joe, uh, uh, Tracy. I'm not trying to say that Joey wouldn't. I'm not saying he would be a cancer, none of that. But it's reasonable to at least ask the question, yes or no? Yeah, as long as he knows going in, that's what he's going to do. I mean, you got the DH now. So he could hit just off right-handed. 
uh, pitchers, wouldn't have to hit against lefties. I just think I have a little bit of a problem with there being so many rookies. And, and I'll leave you with this story. Keith Hernandez and Marty Brenneman were talking about this back in 86 and 87. Marty Brenneman went to Keith Hernandez, we're playing against the Mets, and said, hey, what do you think of this ball club, the young players? to, you know, the Cincinnati Reds. He says, that's the problem, and that's why they won't win it, is because they have too many young ball players. They, that's fine, but to have five or six, and they're starters, it's just tough on a young team, I think. And, and Keith Hernandez, to his credit, was exactly right. We finished well, so second. Far, so far, so far, it's not over. Season's not over yet. Uh, but, but at the same time, I get, the, I get that sentiment. I just wonder if Joey Votto, you know, ultimately is, is going to be productive enough to be able to, to, to hold a roster spot at the major league level, I don't know. I mean, that's the sad part. Isn't that the sad part at the end of careers? Is you kind of like, it's really hard to break up. It just is. It's, it's, it's never easy. It's just, it's just not. And uh, it t tell, tell me how many ballplayers went out on their own accord. What, George Brett? Uh, I don't know, Tony Gwynn? I mean, yeah. not many players, right? But I don't want to see Votto go play in Toronto and, you know, have a – I don't think of him as a Blue Jay, just like I, I didn't think I of Junior as a Red. I think of him as a Mariner. And I, I got to get going, guys, but I'm really disappointed in you, Elliot. Very disappointed. Mm -hmm. I mean, to go to the Brass Ass four consecutive nights, I could see Reed for his addiction to some of that other stuff that he's addicted to. But to go four <laughs> nights in a row, Elliot, I don't know. I'm really sorry, Mr. Jones. I'll try to be better next time. But, you know, I, I, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed your conversation and your presence today. And I hope you join us again soon. Okay. I'll see you at the BA, Elliot. That, okay. BA. VIP room? <laughs> Reed, I'll see you. Have a good weekend, boys. <laughs> Have a good weekend, Have Tracy. Have a good weekend. See you later, All tripod. Right. Thank you to Tracy Jones for joining the show. Uh, I just, I, 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 listen, I hate doing the Joey Votto thing because I love Joey Votto. I do. I mean, you. I've. I've. As you guys know, I can. I can get. I can get up. Uh, I can get up and at him about a take. Now, I can get a little frustrated. I can start getting a little. A little out there. A little times. And let me tell you, there's a. There's been a couple late nights with some people around that I've had to defend Joey Votto tooth and nail and say that, you know, he's basically the best red hitter they've ever seen. And then it turns into this whole argument of, well, he doesn't hit it for power. He does. You know, look at his. Look at it. Look at his power numbers. Blah 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 blah. Okay. Well, listen. Joey Votto got on base without making it out almost as much as anybody ever for the Cincinnati Reds. That's pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. You can say whatever you want about his power and all this, that, and the other. In fact, he decided halfway through his career, or towards the end of his career, he wanted to change his philosophy up, and he starts hitting for power. Kind of a unique turn of events with Joey Votto. But here's the thing with him. To sit here and act like a 39-year-old coming off of a, a major injury who struggled this year for most of the season. He's had a couple hot stretches. He's, he's got a, 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 a runs created plus, a weighted runs created plus on the second half of this season of, what, 40-something? It's not great. He's also hurt now, back on the IL. Is he going to come back from the IL this year? I don't know. But the idea that you think that he automatically should be on the team for next year because he's just Joey Votto is, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. And it sounds like you think that I'm rooting against him. I'm not. I'm just trying to be relatively realistic, trying to be understanding of where we're at in the Reds franchise. Um, you'd like to hope that Christian Encarnacion Strand takes his place and he, and he runs with it. The one thing I definitely would like to see 
if they could retire the way that Joey Votto and Christian Carnacio and Strand are trying to hold guys on at first base, that'd be great. I've never seen something so stupid in my life. There, there needs to be, uh, there needs to be an emergency situation going on down there where they, they teach guys how to hold guys on at first base as a first baseman, and that's new. The best way to hold on guys at first base is new. It's, it's, it's actually not like it ever used to be. It's the smart way of doing it. You play your position straight up. You're facing, you're facing the hitter. If they pick over to first base, you back tag. It's as simple as that. You back tag. You don't stand on first base anymore. You don't do that. But anyway, maybe it won't rear its ugly head, but it reared its ugly head yesterday. Shout out your boy, Ian Jabot, with the pickoff move. Throws the ball into left or right field. And uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know who to blame. I really, Probably the umpires. It's not the umpires' fault. Okay? We're not doing that. But it's 12 o'clock. Cherry, cherry on top. And we have a cherry on top. Casey, I sent this uh, to the DMs, to your DM. This is a really good cherry on top. So uh, we were doing some work yesterday, and, and we stopped at lunch. Uh, and I saw my boss uh, went over to the ketchup machine. And instead of putting them in the, in the little tiny cute little things that you put your ketchup in, the little cups, uh, my boss decided to do, to do this with his ketchup. And I just thought it would be fun to share. I want to know if the chat has ever done this before. Fair enough. Well, before you show it, make sure you run the intro. And as a shout out, as always, to United Dairy Farmers. In the meantime, in the meantime, um, I, know, I know one thing that makes Casey extremely happy, I'm sure, during the show is when we drop bombs on him about two minutes before we need to do a segment that he's got something in his DMs. I bet that Casey loves that. But this is the cherry on top <laughs> presented by United Dairy Farmers. And uh, before we do that, though, before we do that, before you show that, all right, I want to I want to get to this. I want to get to this before you show it. We need to do an ad read. You know why? Because because we, sh we we just need to do that. That's what that's what we should do around here. So, Casey. Yep. I'm gonna give you some time here to get those ad reads going. But we're gonna do the ad read, and then Casey or excuse me, then Elliot is gonna try to rip my head off about this. I'm gonna tell you this is innovative. In fact, you should give it a shot. When you see what I did. I think you say, you know what? That's pretty smart. I'm going to do that. We'll see how it goes. But before we do that, and before we show the United Dairy Farmers cherry on top, we got the Bengals report. And I know for a fact, we got some water to talk about. Yep. The Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. productivity. Good job, guys. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins productivity. here. And let me tell you. <laughs> about this premium alkaline water, Pawnee water. This stuff tastes great. And let me tell you, it is pure water. No preservatives, no additives. It's just water. This stuff is gonna make you hydrate the best out of any of the waters out there in the market. And let me tell you, it's the best tasting water in the world. Visit PawneeWater.com, that's P-A-H-H-N-I, water com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Absolutely get, fantastic. Get your coffee from UDF. 
bet on Betfred, get your IT solutions on Encore, and drink lots of Pawnee water. That's right. Drink as much water as you possibly can. It's going to be hot this weekend. In fact, we got a new addition coming to the show relatively soon. I can promise you, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. We will have it relatively soon. But without further ado, here's your cherry on top. I'll let Elliot walk you through it. So we went to a, a place called Raising Canes. They no have, free ads. No free. Oh, sorry. We went to a place uh, where the dog's the mascot, and they have chicken tenders, and it's called Raising Canes. No, uh, no free ads. No free ads. We went to Raising Canes. So, <laughs> no. so, so we were at the restaurant eating food, eating our lunch, and we were waiting for an order, and Trace goes up to fill his ketchup, uh, his ketchup cup, and I look over to him, and he's just holding a lid with ketchup on top of it. He's holding his drink lid with a bunch of ketchup on top. I've never seen such a move. This move is so wild that I had to double take, and then I had to make sure Trace was okay mentally. I thought it was some sort of prank, but it's not. Apparently, he does this often. He goes to restaurants, and he pours his ketchup on the, his cup lids. It's one of the most preposterous moves of all time, and I just thought I'd share it with everybody. What didn't you like about it? It's just weird, I would say. That's the part I, would th I, that's the part I, wanted to, I didn't like about it. It's just weird. Hmm. It was just not right. Innovative. You, you hear what that sounds like? That sounds like folks that are like, mm, I don't like it. Old Stubborn. man yells at Cloud. Never seen this before. Why don't you like it? I don't know. I don't like it, though. Well, here's the deal. If you want to sit there and, and, and try to pour that ketchup in those little cups and just have like six of them and try to carry them over to your table full of people or carry them over to your little island or whatever, and then you want to put them in the cups, and then you usually like squeeze them out of the cups because you want to dip better, you could do it all in one scoop, all in one place. Pull out. Now, here's a pro tip for you. If they obviously leave the lids out for you, you get your two lids. One lid, you got a small chance that some of that ketchup can leak out on your hand because it got the slits for the straw. Don't do that. Yeah, because it's a lid. Make sure you have, listen to me, make sure you got two of them and then go to town. Put as much on there as you want. Easier for dipping. Super, super simple solution. And in fact, my worry now is it's going to become so popular that there's going to be a situation at some point that these establishments these franchises are going to realize that uh, the uh, these lids cost more they cost more than the cups so they're going to start putting lids behind counters to make sure people can't uh, do what i do so one day I, I i assume it'll get ruined because people will realize it's the better way of doing things but until then i'm going to keep doing it elliot i'm going to keep doing it i you know what i i can't fault you for it so good job all right tomorrow i plan on having the match uh version two ready to go uh, we'll premiere it on our way out the door, but I just want to say thank you for watching this show each and every single day. I got a plethora of things that I need to do for the Bash on Short Vine, which is, oddly enough, ran through us, Chatterbox Sports. Chatterbox Sports, Bash on Short Vine. Got to go do some stuff for gotta it. Look the I really do. I really do appreciate you watching this show. Uh, I am sorry for yelling all the time, but you know what? I'm not going to apologize for being myself, which is that's what it is. I'm sure there'll be some more hot-button topics we'll get into. And until then, we'll be here because why? We're here every day from 10A to 12P. We'll see you tomorrow, hey. everybody.